Hi, I'm James Taylor. And I'm Marco Sparks. And welcome back to Bros Watch PL2. Thank you for joining us on this fine evening as we discuss S1E5, the patchwork girl. Mm-hmm. Pretty little Iris, the perfectionist. Mm-hmm. You know, we're the uh, not only the number one Pretty Little Iris podcast on the internet, but also the number one perfectionist podcast I, I checked. Nice. Mm-hmm. Were you surprised? No. I saw that um, After Buzz came back. Why? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But they dropped like a bunch of episodes on one day. I'll get back. Real After Buzz. <laughs> um, anyway, this episode also written and directed, or actually written by Joseph Doherty, directed by Roger Cumble, same as the episode before. <sighs> Patchwork Girl. Uh, how'd this episode grab you, Marco? Can I just can I just pose a question to the people who make this show first? I'm just sure. very curious. I'm willing to put money on it. Mm. So who did the rewrite on this? I, I would like to pose a more simple question. What the fuck is this show about? Well, like I I'm willing to bet money that this is not like the final <laughs> draft turned in by this writer. There well, you know, you never know, but there were some Something, some odd moments here and there that seemed incongruous, yeah. From the very beginning. Like it feels like there is something missing from this show. Like, did they go and shoot 10 episodes and they realize, oh fuck, we have to retweak something? Because it feels like in the editing and in the writing, there is just some thing that's being covered up poorly. I gotta admit, this episode it, it kind of broke me. I'd, I'd really pinned a lot of my hopes. I was just like, I just got to get to S1E5, second of Joe's episodes. It seems like that's going to be the pivot. We're going to we're gonna know where we are there, you know? And it's like mm-hmm. the war rig mm-hmm. got to a location, but it was like, I, I feel like, you know, it's like, it's like there's a shipwreck. Let me play a different metaphor. There's a shipwreck and you're just like floating in the water and you see something in the distance and you're swimming towards it and you're swimming towards it and you get back and it's just the same shipwreck somehow. Mm. And you're like, ah, shit. I thought I was getting somewhere, but I, I've not gotten anywhere. You're like, why is there only one other boat in this entire Blackwater mm-hmm. Bay? Yeah. Uh, this. I, there, are, there are like these little moments here and there. And they're like, ooh, nice. But then like overall, there's I, I think it's just an accumulated mass of confusion and kind of just plot points that don't make any sense or that like just you know on their own you could suspend disbelief but they they add up after a while and like sooner or later it's the weight is too much and you can't suspend your disbelief anymore and you're just like what why yeah there's some there's some stuff where you can definitely tell that I, I believe scenes started with Joseph Doherty. And there's some visual stuff that's like fantastic. The timeline for this episode in particular. Like never mind the larger parts of the show that are wrong. The timeline for this episode is fucked. It's fucked. Um, but also, what is the sandbox we're playing in here? Like, I I don't think that's ever been firmly established by the people making this I just show. Don't understand, and I don't like, want to be this guy who like complains about the show. Yeah, I really no. don't. I just feel like if, if after five episodes you told me to describe to someone what Pretty Little Liars is about, I think I could do a pretty good job of selling them on it. But five say, episodes it. in, I'm like, it. I don't know what what is this show? It's like, well, there's a college that they're at and there's like this surveillance state there. Um, and Allison no is about. from this other show. Yeah. And then there's these three perfectionists and like, 
they joked about killing this guy and then it ended up dead. And then like, there's a detective who's kind of like bullying them or she's not a detective. She's just a rent a cop. She's um, a salaried employee. But, and then Mona's there and she might have like access to the secret control center that's watching anyone, but we're not really sure what she's doing. Like it just, it doesn't, I, I don't feel like there's a pitch you could give someone that really no hook, you know, it's like, uh-uh. Oh, this, these girls are all, you know, part of like a BFF group and their, their queen bee leader died. Uh, and a year later they start getting these threatening texts from somebody who knows all their secrets. And it seems like it's her, but they, you know, they found her body. And so they don't know what's going on and they're being blackmailed and forced to do things. And it's like cyber well, bullying, you know? And by episode five of PLL for all of the, the personal drama in each character's life that did not necessarily hook into a just yet. The show is so good about doling that out and building that and, and tie into the themes of the rest of the show. And it's a mess here with Ava's dad and that bullshit. And it's like Dylan, I don't know why Dylan's even participating anymore. Dylan has like some, is gone. Dylan has some wild swings in this too. Yeah. 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 And like the stuff that like should at least be like moody and atmospheric and knocked out of the park, like the audition. It's like they wanted to get out of that scene as fast as possible. And so that's one of the scenes that took out to me. He's like, Ooh, I kind of, I like the vibe here. Like for a second, you're not sure if there were actually judges back there or it's like, those are just mannequins and it's like Mm -hmm. some a shit going on. But yeah, I don't know. It's weird. Like they're, it's like perfect execution, but like the larger picture is just, it's so fuzzy. It still feels like we're pivoting. We were like repiloting still five episodes into the show. I mean, I, I, I hope this gets better and finds its voice and where the fuck it's going. I hope it gets renewed. Um, if you're at swim about with the direction, call us. I think we could do some work for you, but like <laughs> I, I need, I, I would personally pivot this back to the school. Like that seems to be the heart of it. It's the, it's the titular perfection demanded by the school. And yet it seems like it's just a normal college where nobody I mean, isn't fuck. Isn't that kind of the problem though, is they can't pivot too far in any direction because they have essentially two different stories that they're yeah. telling. Well, like the fact that they don't, the other three don't meet Mona to episode six is a problem. Well, Caitlin does, I guess, but yeah. Well, no, Caitlin's not there in the previous scene. It's, it's Ava no, and Dylan. No, Caitlin meets Mona already. Oh, she's, yeah. She's already met Mona, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Completely forgetful. <laughs> I guess we'll we'll wait until episode 10 before we put on our uh, Monday morning quarterback, how we would have done it, uh, things, because then we'll, we'll see what they've done. And maybe we'll have a little more an idea of what, what the show's about by then. I mean, there's... There's some really good raw material here. Uh, and that's what I have to say. Um, shall we start? Or what? Do you should, want to talk about the episode beyond that? Should um, Do we want to talk about the let's kill uncle theory? Yes, please. Tell us more about your uh, Ray, Ray Hagedorn theory. Ray Hagedorn is apparently the name Hagedorn, which is not a common surname at all. But it is a surname mentioned. And I don't have the email here, but uh, it's in one of Mark Twain's like journals entries or something about like living in San Francisco. I think it's from autobiography three. Yeah. Yeah. It's like this brief aside about meeting a so family named Hogadorn. He's saying that I'm shocked that it got. Sorry. Yeah. You're not, you're not necessarily wrong. The reason why he was shocked that like they cleared it is because there are so few Ray Hogadorns. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, you know, there was like a thousand Ray Hogadorns at the easy clearance. It's just like an aside in his autobiography about a family that uh, ended up uh, becoming missionaries and like getting eaten by cannibals or something. Um, so there we go. Maybe he's just throwing us off the scent. 
maybe let's kill Uncle. Is that's how it's all going down? Maybe he's just taking you for a ride. He's just pulled mm-hmm. up and he said, "Get the fuck in." Mm-hmm. <laughs> I what? What am I gonna go look up Mark Twain's biography? Could be complete bullshit, you know. <laughs> Sorry, I have to read this all the way hundred page book. <laughs> I'm onto something. Only I see it. That makes it even juicier. <laughs> Anywho. Uh, I, Shall we? Let's dive on into the Patchwork Girl. So we open, it's night, establishing shot of Nolan's cabin. We hear, I'm going to go ahead and say a pretty weak cover of In the Air Tonight playing. I mean, I know um, how, how partial you are to the original too. So I'm not sure if there's any cover of that that's really good. I can only think of one other cover besides this one that I've ever heard. But yeah, mm-hmm. I've, I've spent one fifth of my life waiting for those. Drums. I, mean, I, was, I was thinking of Against All Odds. So I was thinking of a different Postal Service cover. Oh, there you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so we do these kind of like uh, jump zooms in closer to the cabin, which is going to be kind of evocative of the some of the, some of the editing choices in this episode, like showing off this like disjointed time in this flash forward. So we're inside then. A lot of like camera up in the rafters looking down at our three perfs. And Caitlin's like, are we even sure that we want to do this? And she's saying that to Ava, who's on the warpath. Ava in this episode is a real pistol. Well, you know, the, the camera looking down, or, not, you know, not a literal security camera, but our, you know, camera looking sure. down on these people, that's obviously mirroring the various surveillance shots we get in the show. It's like this attention is being given mm-hmm. there. And it's like, mm-hmm. I wish the story had a little more of that. I mean, it's that. It's also, like, I think how small they are in the, the scheme of those things. And mm-hmm. it's a good way to show off like Ava's like erratic pacing at one point, like mm-hmm. in this set, it'd be kind of hard to get like a, a master of the three of them for that, like on ground level. But Ava's like, don't you dare. We can't do this without you. And you owe me. You said you would do whatever it takes to prove to me that you're sorry. And Dylan's watching all this drama is like, hmm. And Caitlin's like, yes, I did. And we're about to break a lot of laws here. Felonies. And this is where Dylan decides to tag in, seeing an easy on-ramp onto this highway of Burns. And he just says to Ava, maybe that comes easy to you, though. And Kayla and Ava are both like, whoa, bro, what? And Dylan continues like, you know, runs in the family. Kayla just so, so out of nowhere. Yeah. So out of, I mean, I'll, I'll discuss this more later when we get to the full scene. But yeah. Yeah. This is a this is a flash forward in case and it's not gas. So Ava moves in close to Dylan's like smirking visage and she's just like, screw you. She starts to ease off. And Dylan's like, yeah, well, who died and made you boss? So it's funny that we don't see this line like play out here. Yeah. But, um, so suddenly we're up high again, looking down on them. Lots of these jump cuts as Ava's pacing in front of the other two. And she's like, you never cared about Nolan. So why do you care about this? And then like jump cuts, like a close of a Caitlin with two glasses of whiskey poured, putting some like, like pills inside one of the glasses. Caitlin's like, let's just stop fighting and focus on what we're doing here. And then it's it's edited a little bit like Ava did that because she like kind of like turns like like stands back up and turns back to face. Yeah, the other but two. she's really not. That's where she's playing yeah. the camera. Yeah, it's it's very weird. Caitlin's like, so this is how it's gonna be. After night, we'll just move on, like we're no longer friends. And Ava's almost like chillingly zen in her eerie calm. And she's like, We were never friends. And Caitlin, I don't know, relatively calm reaction face. Dylan looks like he's breathing maybe a little heavier than usual. And then another shot from up high looking down at this standoff i say loosely and then inexplicably that is the opening to our episode that's it do you it's uh, not even them burying a body (laughs) i kind of wonder and i mean it may be that this is how 
the episode is written. This is like 100% all in the script, everything we're seeing here. You think starting Taylor's Cabin? Or Taylor's yeah. Cabin? yeah, and the whole episode in general. It may just be that like, nope, that was the episode, and that's, that's just what it is. But it kind of makes me wonder if this episode was not supposed to start this way, and they just went and hacked up a later big confrontation scene and put it here. I 100% agree with you, and I was just going to say that too, because the timeline is completely fucked. Um, like, All right, we'll, we'll get there. And, and, yeah. and PLO needs, I'm sorry, PLO needs to be a little sensitive with their timelines. <laughs> I mean, come on, guys. Some things people complain about are not universal complaints, but like that timeline thing was, uh, that was rough. Whoever was responsible for that, that's rough. Uh, so our credits. Bad look for my sh- guy. Yeah. Yeah. Our new shot is Kayla on the road at night trying to hail an oncoming car. Weak. <laughs> well, I guess if we know what's coming. Yeah, I don't know. I wish this was more than one shot, but I don't know. It's not a hill yeah. I'm going to die on. Um, so over black, after the credits, we get a, a, a title card that just says 24 hours earlier, which mm-hmm. is not the case. It's less than 12. Or, or 36, right? I mean, it has to be one of the two. I mean, it's, it's daytime. So they're all wearing the exact same tw- outfit. If it were 24 were. hours, it would also be night in the next scene. And it's not. So, yeah. Yeah. We, we see a clock. We see an actual clock at one point. Mm-hmm. We realize that we're picking up with characters from exactly where we left off. So this takes place like 12 to 16 hours. We're starting 12 to 16 hours earlier. Mm-hmm. I don't think you could just be like, no, nah, fine. We'll just put a 24 hours earlier thing in this like sudden re-edit that we've done to cover up. Well, if, I mean, I feel like they're covering, like they've taken some big element out. This is what, I mean, I don't know. I didn't totally track the timeline of this, but this we're picking up with Allie in the, uh, in the thing here. It was like the afternoon when we left off in the last episode. So maybe yeah. a single day kind of like, you know, maybe it's like, 29 hours later is more what we should be getting but and then why is everyone wearing the exact same outfits yeah. anyway and, and it makes Ava sound even more ridiculous with something she says anyway so Taylor's camper Taylor's camper Allie's in the cabin like pounding she's like Taylor open the door and Taylor's just like nope so she doesn't actually see any, say any of this right I'm just gonna read it like she does uh, sure. Allison scoffs and runs through the trailer to try another door Outside, you see Taylor's jumping over the hitch that connects the trailer to a pickup truck. She uh, puts some sort of bottle or canteen in there. So you think it's like a gas can or something? I think it's got a gas. I think I think she's walking back or, or water. Gas. Yeah, one of the two. I mean, yeah, need water too. Um, so yeah, she's getting in the cab there. Allison's pounding. Taylor, please open up. Taylor's saying no. Uh, so Allie or uh, Taylor. This is gonna be fun with these two. Uh, Taylor gets in the truck. <laughs> And uh, turns it on. We can kind of hear Allie's muffled cries. And it's, it's Allie's saying, screaming, Taylor, Taylor, open up. And Taylor's like, uh-uh. Uh, engine starts when Allie's uh, in the cabin there. And she's just like, oh, shit. And then the thing just starts bouncing and moving along. Taylor's just like hauling ass across, uh, I don't know, an open, unpaved field here. Eventually. Yeah. She has to exit the woods to get to the open, unpaved field. <laughs> I mean, it's, I don't know, it's not... It's kind of she's like she's not like within the trees right now. She's like tree adjacent, I guess. Right. right. She's like also steering into like, oh, there's a pothole. Yeah. Drive into that. Here's some that, logs. Drive over those. Allie's getting tossed all over the place in the back there trying to hold on to shit. It's like something out of top secret. 
I mean, this is fine, you know. I, I I would question what exactly Taylor's plan is, but maybe she panicked. You know, that, that makes sense. She's yeah. just like, oh, fuck, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going to start driving. And then she eventually, like, chills herself. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a bouncy ride. Almost hear the cat screech, but not quite. I mean, you hear, like, plates yeah. crashing and breaking. Yeah, all your shit's broken back there now. But it's like... It kind of seems like there really isn't a whole lot in this camper, so it's like they had to go to the. Well, just like jar of jam, you know. Yeah, this the well of sound effects. <laughs> so, the good stuff. Back at Ray Hagenhorn's place, uh, he reaches for a jar of peanut brittle, turns back to face Mona, who's watching him. Like we're exactly where we left off with these two, and he's like, "Would you like some peanut brittle?" And I'm sure Mona would like some, but does it come in pie form? No. She's like, I'm on a cleanse. You are Ray Hagedorn, aren't you? And he's like, that's me. Ray Hagedorn. Ray Hagedorn. That's him. That's who the hell he is. Uh, He says it's like a little, like, hand flourish. Like, he might be adding, like, the one and only. Um, And she's like, I'm Mona Vanderwall. I'm secretly the creator of this universe, an all-powerful goddess whose very imagination makes and unmakes all reality, which I call hyper-reality in my usual adrenalized state. And somehow I've fallen asleep. Tumbling into a dream, which I'm merely a human woman. Possibly not even real at that. Also, I work. And he's like, I've been in your office. I've, I've changed your light bulbs. I've seen you all over campus. You just never noticed. So he does like this like polite smile, sets the peanut brittle down. He's very self-deprecating. He's just like, it's my cloak of invisibility. <coughs> I'm a nerd. I've read Harry Potter in my isolation. This guy's got a little bit of a weird affect. He does, and I kind of love it, though. He's like, definitely, uh, he's not like a DM, but he definitely has a regular D&D group, is my sense. Okay, okay, okay. Well, unlike other characters, he's not rolling like a natural This one is the kind stuff. of guy who, like, you just happen to mention anything related to, like, history, and he's going to talk your fucking ear off for, like, a half hour about, like, depressions or something. Also, this is the first and only time you're going to get D&D humor from this podcast. Get that shit elsewhere. Um, <laughs> oh, sorry. Get that shit elsewhere. Um, so Mona's like still like wrapping her head around all of this, whatever this is. Well, again, this episode is made for me by Ray Hagedorn and Zoe. Um, Mona looks around and she's like, you live here? And he's like, well, it's not Walden Pond, but it suits me. And she's like, how long have you been here? Have you been here? And he's like, I was 15 years old when I came. And the way he phrases that is so weird. But he says, <laughs> what were you doing when you were 15? It's the first time he dropped the load, man. <laughs> and what were you doing when you were 15 and Mona's like playing with my dolls and shoplifting of Hannah hair flip um, and I want to be like I don't know who Hannah is <laughs> yeah I know it's yeah have it both ways that's fine there's like five references to a whole other show that I haven't watched <laughs> this guy definitely like if you ask him if he went to college he's gonna tell you he went to the school of hard knocks and that uh, you know he didn't he didn't have to study in classes he just written what went in uh, red Emerson mm-hmm I like them apples. Mm-hmm. Um, Simona's like, so you were a student here. And he says, and then I met a girl. She was smart, like you. Simona's like, and where is she now? Your girl. He starts to pivot forward and like turns away, like obviously like tap dancing around from that touchy subject. And he's like, she couldn't take the pressure. Simona's like, does the school know that you live down here? Um, and he's like, does it look like I want them to know where to find me? Which like, bro, where are your paychecks being sent? Um, yeah, yeah. I guess he's just like a janitor who's squatting here. Yeah. I mean, are you just picking up the envelope? That's suspicious. How long have you been here? Yeah, since you were 15? Because you were not a spring chicken, sir. Um, and I was like, and suppose I were to call campus security and tell them that you live down here? And he's like, you're not going to do that. She's you're like, not why a fucking not? Narc. 
<laughs> Why not? And he's like, because you want to know who messed up your pretty little program. What do you call it? Your crystal ball? And she's like, ah, impressive. You're like a human beacon guard, aren't you? And he's like, my cloak of invisibility allows me to hear more than most. He does this kind of like head nod thing as he says that, like conceding the point to her. And she's like, it's like his know? cloak of invisibility is just being the proletariat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I was like, do you know who did it? What do you think the list is for? Um, so we find out, okay, Ray Hagedorn is not our hacker. Um, do you think so? She seems to be accepting that. I do you guess. know who did it? What do you think the list is for? I mean, he, I feel like he could very well be saying like, don't you want to know why I've hacked your pretty little program? And then she's pivoting to, do you know who did it? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. That... And he's just, he's like, am I so invisible that you don't get that I just claimed credit? <laughs> I don't know. I presume that that's what the show is telling us. So he says, maybe it's a suspect list of who killed Nolan, but I know it's connecting some dots. And he says this, like Mona's making this like, horrific realization with him and he continues with me allison de Laurentiis, caitlin park lewis and i was like hmm so he's reaching for the jar again he's like holding it out like wiggling to entice her and he's just like peanut brittle and she gives him this like adorable look like she, like like he knows that she's on a diet like hates that this this thing that he's offering her that she wants um well, see on one hand what is he implying here i i'm just trying to that follow he's, that he's like a, a an informed observer okay that he's just and watching the tennis match. Well, but like, I know it's connecting some dots. Him, Allison, and Caitlin. It's like, yeah. Yeah. I, I. It's almost like it's not totally spelt out or thought, thought out. Um, so on one hand, it's like these two are having, beyond my poor reading of it, like the tough nor conversation of my dreams. Mm-hmm. Again, the show needs to figure out what the Sandlot is planning in is. Is it the college in the college campus? That's fine. Is it this whole town? Like, what is the fucking thing? Like, the murder of Nolan Hotchkiss should be the thing that leads you to, like, holy shit, there's some kind of weird game slash training ground being played on this thing. We're all being conditioned to something. The 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 fucking strive for perfection is, like, destroying these kids, blah, 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 blah. We're not really getting that, though. Yeah, peeling back the onion, you know. We're not really getting that at all. It's And it's like, okay, so are we not supposed to care at all about Mona and what's behind the mirrors? Because for like three episodes, the show didn't do anything with that. Well, I mean, for now, you know. I mean, well, I mean they, they did they one little the joke. Last week. They yeah. did one little joke where she taps on the mirror, but that's it. Yeah. I mean, are we supposed to be like, oh, remember when we were going to do that thing? And then we just parachuted it away? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Let's uh, really cut to an action scene here with some sewing. We're in Ava's room. She's using a fucking power sewing machine there, just stitching some shit like crazy. She's staring at it mechanically. Uh, then we're looking at that drawing that she did of a photograph of herself as little baby Ava. Uh, we can assume she's now taking orders from. Uh, I don't even know if Ava's that interesting at this point. Uh, That's not her big junior? Yeah, she's working on a sketch for a uh, woman's design. It's kind of like this, you know, faceless woman. I think that's just like, you know, the 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 template that you draw upon but uh well so what's interesting though is it's a woman like in this like blazer suit combo no discernible shirt underneath it looks exactly like the outfit that sydney park wore to the perfectionist premiere like the turquoise turquoise suit with no shirt underneath i guess i mean the hair kind of looks like Allie there i suppose yeah. um yeah so she's just sketching an outfit here uh then we're seeing her just kind of work away it's kind of like this montage then there's like a different outfit she's sketching it's very aria-esque it looks to have like 
black shirt with like a lace collar and like maybe like a le- leopard print. Like, like, yeah, like, like goth queen of the jungle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she makes a mistake or doesn't like it. I don't know what. And then she starts just scribbling on it right over the face. You know, she's so frustrated. She can't do this. And then her pencil breaks. And oh, time to sharpen my pencil. Bum, bum, bum. Check off <laughs> pencil sharpener here. She goes, she's got one of those old timey ones that used to have it like grade school where you just stick it in and like turn the crank. Uh, so she's turning the crank, but all of a sudden it's not working here. So Ava goes, really? And so she kind of takes it apart to empty out the shavings. But, oh, there's like a little folded up note inside there. What a ridiculous place to hide a note. And she unfolds the note and reads it. And it says, uh, Dreamer. It's their dad's one pet name for her. Uh, it's time to go. Make sure you're not followed. No one can know. And then some coordinates. Where the fuck does coordinates? I mean, I, I guess it's something. Um. yeah dreamer and it was just like whoa and then like just to remind us what this could possibly be we flashback to that student union all those year or two or three or who knows how long ago uh, to Ava and her dad at student union doing like school tour uh-huh. and Ava's dad says hey you are my beautiful dreamer ever got that she's dreamer this can be your first start <laughs> Ava says, did you see the design lab? And he's just like, did you see the computer lab? And he was just like, yes, you know me so well. It's everything I want from a school because I need both <laughs> hacking stuff and fashion stuff because I have to have too many traits. And then uh, Ava's dad says, I know you can do anything you set your mind to. And he was like, just like my dad. And he's just oof. like, oof. <laughs> I'm not perfect, Ava. The feds are after me. Takes a deep breath. I've made some mistakes, but you know how much I love you, right? And Ava says, nobody's perfect, Dad. <laughs> I don't think she gets what that means. Yeah, I don't know. She's uh, not, she's not, we, we've established, it's not like she's unaware of this FBI investigation. <laughs> she's just like, you've always been there for me, and you always will. Now let's go to my boat called the Live Forever, you know. Um, this is my last day before retirement. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, he says nothing because obviously he knows he won't be. He's already probably <laughs> planning his escape route, which, you know what? He left you a ton of cash. I'd, I'd call it square. Yeah, uh, seriously. And, and he's like, he kisses the top of her head. And he goes, hey. And she goes, hmm. And he goes, let's take a selfie for mom. And he was like, <laughs> okay, LOL. And these dorks just like kind of squish their cheeks together and grin up as he takes a selfie. And she's like, cheese. And he's like, big smile. And it's like. It seems like on a different show we would have maybe have already seen the selfie, <laughs> and it'd be like, oh, this is when they took it, you know. But no, we we don't so actually far, see the photo they take. I haven't loved the show's like little planted acorns of what's to come. Like when Dylan's just like, I better take my shirt off with this <laughs> weird patch on my back with no explanation whatsoever. It's just a dead silent scene where he just does that out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. Like, I don't know if I've ever been happier for a PLO flashback to be over. <laughs> you know what's weird? Uh, Many things that are weird. We we haven't gotten a Nolan flashback. No, we haven't. It's almost like the show doesn't give a shit about Nolan anymore. Oh, we find out Nolan's 19, though, in one of the newspaper oh, clippings. Just, don't get me fucking started on his age and everyone's age in this. <laughs> <sighs> so I guess it would be like sophomore year. 
Uh, anyway, um, so and flashback. flashback. We're back in Ava's dorm apartment. Uh, she's just like a C in the the heavy ramifications of this flashback, what this note could mean. She's like caressing this dirty paper with her thumb. She like almost brings it to her face, like she's gonna like touch it to her cheek or eat it or something. Then conveniently she has a printed out copy of that selfie she took of her dad on the table there with her. <laughs> I know just, just the printout. No, it's not like in a frame or something. Like I'm just waiting for like that and like the uh illustration of her as a baby to both start like talking at her and telling her to do contrary things it's not like oh this piece of paper kind of smells like booker that's weird it's so fucking obvious that it's booker and then it's so stupid that booker would do this (laughs) (laughs) but uh it was just like she's like look at this picture like hmm but so hopeful and then we go to dylan's dorm apartment caitlin's over i used to think these two were like the closer two this no, I think the other two kind of are, but yeah, it's, yeah, it's, oh yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know why she's even here, really. Uh, he's just like pouring some coffee, like he's thirty-five or something. Uh, like pouring... she's George over at Jerry's place. Yeah, I know. It's <laughs> you want to work on the pilot today? Then later. <laughs> uh, Caitlin right. says, "Where's Andrew?" And he goes, "I wish I knew. We had a fight." And Caitlin goes, sorry. And there's a knock on the door. And she goes, I'll get that. She gets up and goes over to the door. When she answers it, oh, no, it's Ava. She, Ava here to rain on everyone's parade. A cold stare passes between the two of them as Ava lets herself in and storms past Caitlin. Um, Dylan's, like, noticing all this. And just, like, they're shoulder checking each other. And he's just like, hmm. Uh Ava goes over to stand by the window, but not to look at the window as much as like stare at the curtains near the window <laughs> as dramatically as possible. Like, gee, it's I don't know what happened with the blocking here, but it's like you go stand dramatically over there. And it's so like Carson's like, I'm hitting the mark you put out for me. Yeah. I'm staring up I'm staring at curtains right now. The window's two feet to my right. Okay. Cause somewhere in the, the series Bible it also says Every scene has to start with your back. I mean, this is like a popular TV move. It just seems like this show does it a lot. Like maybe a little too much. I mean, these some fucking Riverdale face each other. Mm -hmm. Uh, So this next line, though, this is where I like left off uh, the first night doing my notes. It was very strange to have this be the last thing I typed. Go for it. She says, look, I hate to interrupt your tea party, but we have to stop Mason before my fashion show. Oh, is that what the stakes are in this episode? Okay. I was like, oh, fuck. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Like you said, some breaking was happening. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Dylan's like, what happened? Did he threaten you? And Ava's like, he's threatening all of us. Okay. And I'm scared he's going to explode. Drop a load. (laughs) Jam style. We focus in on Caitlin from Dylan as uh, this is being said, and it's played for how kind of Caitlin reacts to Ava during this, and we're back on Ava. Uh, I can tell you just started doing your notes again because there's way too much description. Uh, and yeah. Ava says, I can't seem to get you, him out of my head. I can't think. I can't study. I can't sleep. I can't design. can't drop loads. Uh, and this fashion shows everything to me. I'm falling apart. It's the same day as where we left off last week. We know it might this, be the next day, 
they're wearing all the same outfits. And we know because later on in the episode, Ava will see when it's like 1.45 in the afternoon. So we know it's before that. So she's just like, in the three hours since I've seen you guys, I haven't been able to focus. <laughs> I don't she know might have a different outfit on now, Ava. No, maybe she just has a jacket she's on. The, she's wearing the green sweater she that just, she admired. She just has a trench coat on, yeah, over yeah. it. She's <sighs> got a lot of trench coats. Yeah, she does. She does. It's like it really makes her look like tall and skinny mm-hmm. and maybe like a little bit of like a 90s hacker. I don't know about the 90s hacker part of it. Oh, well. That'd be cool if she'd start dressing like Johnny Mnemonic. Uh, yeah, so Caitlin's just like, man, Ava's broken. So she's like, I'm sorry about everything. Ava quietly is like, don't even. And Dylan's like, hmm? Caitlin's like, Ava, I'll do whatever it takes to help you. Also, can I pause a second? The first time we ever did Hastings Dinner Theater for the Perfectionists was during a Dylan and Andrew scene <laughs> last week. I forgot to bring that up. That's not right. I'm I'm a hateful bitch. What can I say? (laughs) Oh, and I love it. Uh, You have a, I like your notes. They're so weird and beautiful like your brain. Um, So Kate's like, Ava, I'll do whatever it takes to help you. And Ava moves in closer, like eyes just like boring into Caitlin's essence. And she's like, good. Because I have a plan that includes you. And it's terrible. (laughs) It's the dumbest thing yet. It could technically not be considered a plan. (laughs) It's like something you would blurt out after you've woken up from a coma and they've been working on the speech centers of your brain. Uh, Kane's like, okay, just tell me what it is, what you need. I'm in. And like Ava's like, now please yourself. And she's like, okay, I need you to lure Mason to Nolan's cabin so we can drug him and get his murder confession on tape. And Dylan, thankfully, is like, <laughs> are you being serious? <laughs> and the most serious she's ever been, she says, does it look like I'm joking? No, but it should. Dylan's like, drug him with what? And she's like, anti-anxiety meds that Nolan gave me when I was being hounded by the media after I was outed. What a, what a fucking bro move by Nolan there. That guy's a pharmacy, man. He's just like, oh, you need some Xanax? I got that. I can get you anything you need. I keep it all in my mysterious moving stash <laughs> in a greenhouse, apparently. So he's like, well, I'm going to start you on a low dose of SSRIs and let me know how that feels. In six to eight weeks, it should start to adjust. So you're not going to feel anything right away. What if that's just a flashback of her and him together? And he just like, like puts on like a white lab coat. <laughs> you know what? Better show. Pulls out a pad, starts writing her a script. Mm-hmm. Um, so we get a shot of Caitlin like looking down, reminding us of her secret shame. Uh, and I was like, look, I did some research, and the right dose of barbiturates can actually act like a truth serum. <laughs> Anyone seen Ant-Man and the Wasp? <laughs> Dylan's just like, whoa, what the fuck? Who looks this stuff up? And well, like, I mean, were you doing research on your school-issued laptop that monitors all your web traffic? Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so Caitlin says, you want us to kidnap him? And he says, call it what you want. To me, it sounds like a simple plan. LOL. I mean, maybe a little too simple, Ava. Yeah. I mean, not even talking about like admissibility or anything. Why don't you throw in a few more steps? Mm -hmm. And so Dylan's like, I feel like a better plan would just be like, we kidnap him and then just beat the shit out of him. Like, which is what they do. Yeah. (laughs) Sort of. 
like I want I want just like here's what an episode they kidnap Mason they tie him up they spend 45 minutes in front of him brainstorming all of the shit <laughs> they're gonna do to him like physically <laughs> it's it's like a really twisted version of that episode from Breaking Bad yeah where eventually they decide they have to kill him it was just like here's what I need I need gloves that go up to my elbow and I need rings and I need to <laughs> I'm cook. Gonna- I'm going to pull the truth out of him from the inside. You get to pick which hole, Mason. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, so Dylan's like, a simple plan is like taking his phone and figuring out where he was that night. And Caitlin's like, wait, you can do that? And he was like, yeah, but hacking the location settings on his phone. But we're not doing that because it's not crazy enough. <laughs> what have you ever seen Mason about his phone? <laughs> okay, what have you ever seen anyone about their fucking phone? Caitlin's like, right, right. Well, he even takes it into the shower, takes it to the shower. And Dylan's like, don't we all? What? It's my only chance to binge the Golden Girls. Caitlin's fascinated by that. She says, you are so rose. And joke, thud. I mean, I, I get the I get the banter there. It's just, it, I feel like we just haven't established that. No. Like, this is like the first time they bantered in four episodes or something. Also, the flow of the scene, it's just not, it's not a lot. You, you need more of that happening in the yeah. scene, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then you need like as they're talking about the Golden Girls, like Ava just like walks over to a counter and just like throws everything off of onto the ground. <laughs> like Ava's about to like throw chairs out windows, I feel like. Which maybe makes her more interesting. She's like, Look, I need your help, okay? Kane's like, I'll do it to prove to you that I really am sorry. And Dylan's like, sorry for what? Three question marks. So Luke Passage and Caitlin and Ava, no boys allowed in this secret. So Ava moves in closer to like the island counter thing, zoning in on Dylan. And she's like, I need your help too, Dylan, in case things get ugly. And he's like, I want to stop Mason from terrorizing us just as much as you do, all right? This seems extreme. Also, wait, I just did the mental math. All of my secrets are out. Yeah, <laughs> really. I had no skin in this game anymore. Peace out, bitches. Also, get the fuck out of my dorm apartment. <laughs> So he was like, he's going to tell us the truth, and then he's going to take a little nap, and then this nightmare will finally end. And Kayla's like, oh, yeah, Dylan, don't you have a big audition coming up? Everyone remember that? We've been kind of talking about it for I a mean, while. Of all the things they could be setting up on the show, they certainly set this audition up. Sort of. I mean, for five episodes, right? Like, this is but the like, pilot, I think. In a way that it could have happened at any point. Yeah. Also, he's auditioning to be like the first chair in the Summer Symphony in October. Yeah, we get a date. It's October later. So I feel like this could have happened at any point. Maybe not today. Anyway, uh, he's like, yeah, tonight. Kane's like, okay, so what if he decides to screw that up for you too? And Dylan's like, I can't take that chance. (laughs) So Kane's like, we didn't get to stand up to Nolan. Now we have a real chance to stand up to Mason. And Ava just like keeps staring at Dylan. And she says, and let's not pretend he's only got one secret on all of us. This could go on forever. And Dylan's like shaking his head, like resolutely, like, no, it won't. And Caitlin's like, so positive. But like, what's that Dylan's other secret? Do they suddenly have more secrets as well? Because Dylan's already, he's burned his. Like, we need a new secret for Dylan. Well, we find out what Dylan's other secret is, but. Do we? Yeah. What? That he, that he fucked Nolan. No, we already know that one. But they don't know that. No, no, no. But like he's these two don't know that. I'm just wondering, are they is there suddenly gonna be like, oh, Nolan had a lot of secrets on you. We may yeah. not have mentioned them all at the start of the show, but it turns out he knew a whole bunch more shit. Well, see, my 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 question is, was this scene meant to take place later in the episode? 
like had she already found out about the the Nolan and Dylan hookup? Yeah, hard to say. He Dylan is like a non-entity in the scene. So Yeah. Yeah. It's just like in the background mostly and being like, Are you sure? Yeah. I mean his realist moment is just like, are you joking? Yeah. Uh, so meanwhile, back at the who the hell is Ray Hogadorn's place? Uh, Mona's sitting there eating a piece of peanut brittle. Um, I would not have eaten anything this guy gave me. I don't know. Sketchy dude, mildly threatening, keeps offering me food. I'm going to say no to that. Also, like coveralls. But she looks adorable. Like, these are some of my favorite Janelle Parrish expressions of all time. Yeah, she's uh, It's just a, a wonderful little facial expression from her. She's experiencing peanut brittle seemingly for the first time in her life. And it's like, hmm. And uh, Ray's there. He's like kind of tinkering on something with his back to Mona because that's how all conversations happen. Uh, and, and he says, Nolan Hotchkiss. Yeah. That was one hell of a mess to clean up. And while listening, Mona kind of glances over at one of the Sade newspaper mm-hmm. clippings. And we see the headline is about that uh, boy, Nolan Hotchkiss, whose body I had to clean up. Uh, 19. So Nolan was 19. 19 and a half, maybe. I don't know. I'm a uh, normal 19 year old with too much jam. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ray says, can't say I was upset about it, though. World's a better place without him in it. <laughs> and Mona does some hilarious eyebrows and just like, oh, that's harsh. And Ray's just like, he got what he deserved. But like, we already kind of know that's not the case. I don't know. I still don't know why they put that scene in there. Um, so uh, and then we glance over and see uh death by suicide headline about Taylor Hotchkiss on another newspaper clipping there. That newspaper, by the way, looks like it's 10 years old. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows how long ago this suicide was? Cause at one point it seemed like it was a year ago, but now everything seems like it was a year ago. Yeah. And maybe it was 10 years ago and Haley Aaron is just remarkably well preserved. I mean, for a while on this episode, I thought Taylor's not real. But then I was like, we did see her interact with Nolan in the pilot. Yeah. So, or, Unless or, Nolan wasn't real. Or was that Taylor with longer hair the real? real one. And this Taylor who's dressed like Emily's girlfriends with salon style short hair. Is she not real? Ooh, Ooh yeah. I like this theory. Ooh. Yeah. I'm going to explore that while you talk. I think everyone's real. You'd be in my bunk. So Mona says, did you know her? And he's kind of surprised. He goes, Taylor Hotchkiss? They're the first family of this place. And Mona's kind of listening now. She's over that headline. You find this uh, a dreamlike scene? I don't know if I... I mean, like, the the way it's like... It's like loosey-goosey with the information. It's like the blocking and the editing is kind of strange. It's like, she's sitting there eating peanut brittle, looking at the thing, and then, like, suddenly she's over by the thing. I don't know. It's just played very strange. <laughs> Uh, so he says, everybody knew them. And Mona says, but did you know her? And Ray says, she figured me out a little. Gave me some books to read. I told her about Angela. And Mona says, your girl? And like at this point, Angela could be like his daughter, his girlfriend. Um, and His uh, mannequin leg. Yeah, he realizes it's time to kind of address this. So he swivels around to look at her. And he says, Taylor wasn't the first person to jump off the Haskell Road Bridge. Oh, good job. Uh, for a while, I thought maybe that's what gave Taylor the idea to jump. She's a copycat. Like an homage. Mm -hmm. It's like a tribute. Uh, But her problems were a lot bigger than hearing a sad end to a love story. So I guess uh, his girl, Angela, is like his girlfriend from way back when. I don't know. 
Are we ever going to see Ray Hawkdorn again? I have no idea. <laughs> and Mona says, my friend Allison thinks Taylor might be alive. Henry says, that's occurred to me, too. If it's true, she better stay far away from here. And Mona's like, who would want to hurt her? And Ray says, I tried to warn Taylor. I left her a message. And Mona says, they're watching? Like, oh, you wrote that on her wall? Which is odd, but sure. Uh, okay. And then Ray gives her kind of slow look like, you know too much. And Mona has this like, oh shit, realization, like look on her face. Dramatic surge in music. And then we cut to the scene. Um, so like, it's like there's just these mysterious forces. You might be in danger from yeah. who? We don't that, know. To me, that's what the show should start being about. Like all of this, like like shit with Mason and Booker and all that, should start to slowly erode away, erode away, and you find out like that's what the show is really about. Who's watching? Just Beacon also, Guard. Is Ray real? Is he kill Mona? Is she not going to be real after this? Yeah. Are we just fucking playing ourselves by even hoping that that thing from the book happens because uh, prob- we actually probably, read them? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Almost definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So back in the the Taylor trailer or the Taylor camper, I want to say I want to say trailer, but I'm saying camper because I saw I think I Marlene King say camper on Twitter or something. Um, the thing's moving and there's some engine revving, and then Allison's like clinging to this counter like the kitchenette for dear life, and the tires start screeching as it comes to a stop. And Allison's kind of like tossed forward suddenly, and she's like, "Ah!" She really eats some shit there, yeah. Yeah, like it's kind of funny. <laughs> It's always funny when, like, you know, an actor's, like, diving into some pillows or something. Um, On the ground, she finds her phone. She sees this generic message, like, recharge battery, like, letting her know that her phone is no good. And she's like, damn it! What, did you charge it, like, a day ago or something? Like, how is your phone out of batteries in what might be, you know, 11.05 o'clock or whatever it is? 24 to 36 hours. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Time is no heights. So then Taylor Hodges comes marching back into the camper with a motherfucking tire iron. And Allison's like, Taylor, my name. And she's like, I know who you are, Allison. Now get out of my house. And Allison's like, you live in this shithole? <laughs> so Taylor she's like, that- slimy shithole. My homeless is. Sorry. <laughs> so Taylor holds up that tire iron and screams like a banshee to make herself more clear. Get out! And Allison's like, oh. So after the commercial, they're just, we're outside the camper. Like you said, we see like we're in a relatively open field with some trees in the distance. It's like pleasantly parked. Birds making bird sounds, chirping, and they're just casually walking out of the camper together. And Allison's like, why are you here? I need your help. And Taylor struts away from her for back to her. This is going to be a soap opera acting battle, I think. <laughs> Taylor, Taylor scoffs. And there's part of me who's just like, finally, uh, we're going to see Haley Aaron in this show, like for realsies. She scoffs and she's like, forget it. I'm the dead girl and I'm going to stay gone. And Allison's like, why does everyone keep turning their back on me when they say shit that they it's kind of an affront to who I am. Mm-hmm. And I was like, if you really want to disappear, you'd be in Florida by now. I'm not hiding in some forest outside Beacon Heights. I think you want to know who killed your brother. And Taylor's like, you've just got it all figured out, don't you? And Allison's like, no, I don't. I have Taylor's- no idea what the fuck is going on. Have you seen this show? I'm completely in the dark. Which is a different show, directed by Norman Buckley. Uh, Taylor's like, no, you have no idea what you've done. You've put me in a lot of danger. And Allison's like, who the fuck are you afraid of? So Taylor turns away from Allison like, what a dumb question that is. And Allison's like, I didn't come here just to turn around and leave. If you know anything about me, you'd know that. And Taylor turns back around, getting all confrontational. And she's like, someone tried to kill me, okay? I don't know who it was. That's why I faked my death. That person probably killed my brother. And Allison's like, that's it? That's all you got? And Allison's like, listen, 
I'm not here to hurt you. I'm looking for answers. What if what if this is all because creepy ass Ray Hogadorn like wrote this insane message in blood on Taylor's wall and it's like, oh shit, someone's trying to kill me. I, I need to run. Wouldn't shock me at all. Yeah. There's I mean, did it not even occur to Ray Hogadorn to put a message in her old timey crank pencil sharpener? Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, they're like, oh, shit, something's frustrating me about my old-timey pencil sharpener was every fucking day one of those things. <laughs> I know. They were always breaking or whatever. So Allison's like, listen, I'm not here to hurt you. I'm looking for answers. And Taylor's like, you don't get it. You're hurting me just by being here. And Allison, echoing the audience and us, is like, I don't understand. And Taylor's like, what my brother said to you on your first day, which I somehow know from your classroom where you assigned that dumb essay, it was true. My mom was going to say that you're here because you remind her of me, but it's more than that. She brought you here to find me. And I was like, she thinks you're dead. There's so many exclamation points. Mm -hmm. Taylor's like, she doesn't want to believe that. That's why she used Mona's program to find you. We don't just look alike. We think alike. Um, And Alice and I are like, what? You're not CC. What? Yeah, seriously. Allison's like, can some of these blonde girls just stop being me for a while? I'm, I'm tired of trading souls. <laughs> Taylor's like, it wasn't the intention of the program, but it identifies similar personality traits and people. My mom knew if there was any chance I was still alive, you would find me. And she was right. That's why you have to leave. And I have to get the hell out of here. Allison's like, hmm. And then like Taylor looks past Allison and just yells, damn it. She marches over the truck, pulling like pull, that's pulling the camper, and looks at like there's a flat tire, I think, and she yeah. kicks it for good measure before like kneeling down, and she says, "Crap." So the idea here that Allie was only brought to the school because she has like personality traits similar to Taylor, it's interesting. Um, the idea that like t- you were brought here to find me, even if you didn't know it, because my mom knew that like you you know couldn't leave well enough alone, and you'd search for me. Mm. Interesting. It, where it fits in with the larger show, I don't really know, but okay. I mean, there's a version of this, I think, that could play out and work really well and be atmospheric and moody as fuck, and it wouldn't involve these two characters meeting so poorly in episode four and five. I think it's the fact that they're both just, like, shouting at each other, essentially, you know? And, and like, re- what they're revealing is not worthy of the buildup and the fanfare. I mean, so there's a possibility of reading here that Oh, the person who hacked Mona's program is just somebody working for Claire Hotchkiss. Okay, well, she technically does own the program. That's not nefarious, Mona. You're an employee. (laughs) That IP belongs to her. I Um, think the good version of this is the, um, I can't remember the name of the episode, but the one with uh, uh, Lara Pulver. Man, I cannot, I can't think of fucking shit today. Uh, S2E1 of Sherlock, where Sherlock is being kind of dressed down by uh by Mycroft at the end. And yeah. he's just like, you're the one who fucked up Sherlock by trying to be too clever. I feel like that is the good version of this. Took your pulse mm-hmm. and I waited. Oh, this is your heart. And you should never be so careless with something so important. Um but but the whole I was talking about you, Sherlock, you know, like that moment where, you know, if it was something where like Alice Allison, you idiot, like you're only, you know, you think you're acting on your own, but you're doing exactly what somebody knew that you would do uh-huh. to find me, you know? I don't think it's executed great. I think you could have done that for sure. And I think the smart thing would have been maybe even not to have actually had her interact with the perfectionist at all yet. Like to keep 
observing weird things. Like you either don't have them or just don't have her interact with them yet. And just have her keep observing things and like, like refusing the hero's call. I don't want to get involved in weird things. Fuck. I have to, it's too mysterious. Like, yeah, I don't know. To, to me, ultimately the two just don't mesh at all. But like I said, I want to, I want to wait. I've seen 10 episodes where I can get my ultimate thoughts on, on how I think I would have done it at least. But, um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Just it's weird that they're just shouting at each other. There's you. I, I was almost like waiting for like I don't know, like a gunshot to fire at them or to like something to happen, like more immediate stakes. Red dot, but and yeah. some splatter of blood, and then like uh, your shirt. Uh, Taylor, yeah, Taylor says your shirt. <laughs> Allie's dead. Ooh man, R.I.P. Emerson. Actually, then in that case, it would have been Taylor. And yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so. Anyways, Shall we go to Student Union? Student Union. Caitlin's uh, strutting through there with coffee and something else in her hand, just eyeballing everything. There's students everywhere doing student things. And then we hear Mason say, you look like you could use a friend, which is weird because he's blackmailing her. Uh, yeah. and he's sitting there in, the, uh, in like a little chair, a little kind of, you know, talking area or a bunch of armchairs. Talking area. Talking area. Yeah, a talking area. Uh, he's got like a tablet in his hands. Who knows what the fuck he's doing? Um, so is she surprised he's here? Was she looking for him? It's unclear. She was walking right towards him. Yeah. <laughs> so she comes oh. over and, and sits down like everything's fine. I didn't fine. see you there as I walked right into your lap. <laughs> yeah. She says, hey, do you ever have one of those days where everything goes, just goes wrong? And he goes, not really. And he says it very quickly and nonchalantly. And it's kind of funny. Um, and Caitlin says, yeah, well, I've got the most important interview in my life coming up. And every professor I have has assigned papers. How many papers these kids get assigned? Uh, all due on the same day of my interview. And Mason's just like, that's pretty much how it works for all of us here, LOL. You've never really seen that stressed about it before. And Caitlin says, things aren't that great in other aspects of my life, you know, because you're blackmailing me. Uh, Mason says, ah, so that's why you're talking to me. She didn't say the blackmailing part. She says, I get you, Kate. And you know I'm here if you need a friend, even though I'm blackmailing you. And uh, I, I think you could read this scene a lot differently, too. How would you read it? Well, so obviously we know he's blackmailing her. But the way this scene is played to me in this episode, like if this was the first scene that you saw of him, like if you were just like just turning on the TV show, you're like, oh, I'm going I'm to watch, I don't know, half this episode for some reason, episode five. He's not coming off particularly nefarious in this scene. Like he's it's, coming it's off as like though as he doesn't friend. know he's blackmailing her. Well, it's like it's like was this an iteration of the show before he was blackmailing her? Is this like crying Mason at the funeral, Mason? Mm-hmm. Before they were like, by the way, you're a sinister little bitch. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, <laughs> he's a completely different character. Like it was like it was like just mass chunks of this show like reshot or shot out of like because it wouldn't make literally. any sense if you were blackmailing someone and they were pissed at you about that. And then all of a sudden they just start sucking up to you and acting all nice. And they want to take you to a secluded location. He's like, fuck no. He, he, he's coming off to me like the boyfriend who's the ex-boyfriend who still has the unrequited crush yeah. on her. <laughs> oh, that's why you're talking to me. Okay, I get it. I have no self-esteem. <laughs> oh, okay. And then he starts blasting the offspring. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> Uh, so Caitlin says, remember finals week, senior year of high school, I guess, when we all went to the cabin with Nolan, we were all so stressed. But the second we got there, major fuck party. 
And she kind of reaches over and starts caressing his forearm, kind of like all the way down memory lane there. And he says, he can't help but relax at the cabin. Sploosh. <laughs> Does the cabin have a bathroom? I mean, I would hope so. <laughs> Caitlin says, you know, I could really use that about now. And Mason says, let's do it then. Let's go. And she's like, seriously? And he's like, yeah, I'm easily manipulated. Yeah. I was supposed to do something later, but I'll see if I can get out of it. And Caitlin's like, great. And he's like, yeah. And he gets up and comes around her. He says, hey, come here. And he gives her a hug and says, look, you hang in there, all right? And she smiles. She goes, yeah, I will. Mission accomplished. That was easy. It's just so. It's like she doesn't so realize weird. she's actually speaking to like Nigel, like uh, Mason's, you know, English twin brother or something. Who's the, Nigel Gregory? Yeah. Awesome. That's the one that Mona's actually finding like attractive and like rocket science smart. <laughs> <laughs> there's he's the like, evil one and the good one you know he's like i've got this terribly embarrassing condition i'm british but i was born without an accent <laughs> please it's my shame my family has has thrust me out of the pacific northwest of your colonies because whatever uh <laughs> this scene is just so weird because he's like a completely different character and he's been for three episodes like he was fucking sinister as fuck to her in the same student union was it last week? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the night before, presumably. And here he's just like, hey, buddy, hang in there. Yeah, whatever so, you need to relax. So what time is it? It's before 2 p.m. Is it? <laughs> yes. A lot it's happening. About, yeah, there's a lot fucking happening in this day. Remember it was like, do you remember when it was evening? Design? It was like almost dusk as Allie was like tying one on with some wine and then decided to go for a hike. And then yeah. now it's like early in the day again. Remember that November that lasted four years? Yeah. <laughs> Winter is finally here. Um, meanwhile, looking at sketches of women's fashion in blazer form, uh, Ava's sitting at her drafting desk again, staring at that picture. The man with the no name with no name ponchos behind her yet again. I don't know how that now that we know that the thesis of the fashion show is the life of a Snapdragon, I don't know how Clint Eastwood fashion quite lines up whatevs. So she like sets the one sketch down and picks up the sketch of baby Ava Pictunia. And it's like, Ava, it's time. You know what? Here's the thing. Ava hasn't earned it. I'm sorry. (laughs) You're right. So her phone starts ringing. It's from an unknown number. She answers and she's like, hello. And the man in the voice says, at the tone, the time will be 1130 p.m. And Ava glances over her alarm clock, which says 145, presumably p.m. Unless it's Mm -hmm. daytime. And maybe it's like Portland's Alaska and the sun just doesn't set, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's that's it's insomnia. It's Christopher mm-hmm. Nolan's remake of insomnia. And she's like, "Hello." And the man in the voice is like, "At the tone, the time will be eleven thirty p.m." And again, she's like, "Huh?" And then the music box music starts playing over the phone, and she's like, "Oh my god!" And she starts looking at that printed out selfie of her dad. It looks like she wants to cry. And her hand starts like let the phone drift away from her ear. And Ava, if this was your dad. This is the most fucked up way to like yeah. send you coded message. It'd be real weird. Yeah. After, like you said, he's already done you a mega solid by, like, leaving you a shit ton of money in a duffel. I am, oh, my God, is there anyone in my life that I won't happily jettison for a briefcase full of cash? Fuck. (laughs) So, back at the student union. Um, Mona is marching through all these uh, seated students while she's leaving Allie a voicemail. Uh, She says, Allie, please call me back. If you find a certain someone, don't bring her back here. Just stay where you are. And then she walks right past the table where Caitlin and Dylan are sitting. 
Caitlin's kind of staring out the window, and Mona just kind of walks by and exits the scene. We're going to focus on these two now. And so I, I guess we could say she's she's kind of been in the same location as Dylan as well, Mona has, even though she hasn't interacted with him. Yeah. Um, so Dylan says, you want to talk about it? About why you and Ava are fighting? Caitlin kind of looks conflicted, and maybe she's about to say something, then her phone beeps. Uh, she kind of flips it over to check it. And says, and she says that it says, I'll meet you at the cabin at seven. It's from Mason. And Caitlin says, it's from Mason. He says, I'll meet you at the cabin at seven. And Dylan's like, game on. And there's some dramatic music. Um, so seven's like in five hours, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. If it's, if it's, it's, if it's two o'clock. <laughs> sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. 24 hours earlier, huh? Sure. Um, so after the commercial, we're back with Taylor and Allison. Oh man, this scene. Taylor's changing that tire with her like hat turned around while Allison stands there watching. Um, and again, thank you for the people who who pointed out the uh, PLL Halloween episode about hey M, you know how to change a tire? Mm-hmm. There's <laughs> Allison, definitely, I feel like a little bit of coding going on here. Yeah. Yeah. For the people who haven't picked up on it, this is the white knight. Um, or the queen or something. Um, Allison's like, You really think that your mom is the one that tried to kill you? And Taylor's like I don't, but I can't be sure. Allie not even helping. I just want to point no. that out. Fuck no. She's, you know what? She's been sloshed around in the back of this chick's like yeah. camp, which fucking good luck cleaning that thing up. Um, you just throw that thing in a valley or whatever. Uh, Allison's like, I know a grieving mother when I see one. And she sat in my living room, your living room, from one mom to another because I still have kids out there. I felt her pain, Taylor. She's your family. It's not like she buried you alive. So what the fuck are we even doing here? I just, Taylor, like, I just, this is one of those moments where I'm like, this is not supported in the text. Like, mm-hmm. Claire Hotchkiss does not seem like she's grieving. I'm sorry. I don't know how anyone could watch the preceding four episodes and be like, oh, yeah, she's she's traumatized and heartbroken. I, I, I mean, I don't think even Kelly Rutherford was given direction like you're just using the booze and the obtrusiveness mm-hmm. of like the late night stopover to like mask your pain. No, no it's like she had like, a weird ulterior motive. Uh-huh. Yeah. So Taylor stands up and leans against that truck. Like she's like, let me develop my character by telling you a brief autobiographical aside. And she says, when I was little, my dad brought us all out here for the Lyrid meteor shower. There were hundreds of meteors falling down all at once. It was like the sky was filled with a million fireworks. And Allison's like, sounds amazing. Allison's like, I once fucked my now ex-wife out in nature, so I totally get what you mean, fireworks. Taylor's like, my mom and I just laid on top of this truck, staring straight up into the sky at all the bright lights. It was like we could were floating in space. I swear I could feel the earth spinning. My mom laughed. She just held on to me, said she was making sure I wouldn't fall. And when Haley Aaron smiles, there's like suddenly like 15 new adorable cheeks there. Um, and Allison's like, cool story. I feel like you want to go home, Taylor. Taylor's like, I'd love to, but it's not safe, duh. And Allison's like, maybe, but I think you owe it to Nolan. Taylor's like, why is solving my brother's death so important to you? Mm. And Allison's like, whoever killed Nolan is threatening people I care about. Do you? My students? <laughs> You're Allison DeLaurentis. I just want to remind you. My st- there should have been a lot more of Allison like, refusing the call, <laughs> the hero here. And she's like, and I know it's asking a lot and you think it's dangerous, but you knew Nolan better than anyone. Certainly better than I did. I met him once. You know his secrets. You know Beacon Heights. I need your help. She takes a step closer, which Taylor notices. She's like, Taylor, 
you can trust me like your brother did. And Taylor's like, yeah, I'm still confused why that was again. Yeah, also, too. if this is the Hotchkiss family truck. Yeah, not the greatest uh, getaway vehicle if you're faking your death. Was it reported stolen? Is there not some kind of thing that would tie back to mm. Taylor? <laughs> I mean, I just, even letting that go for a second. I do think one of the stumbling blocks I have with this show is something I've had with PLL since like season six, which is just like, I fundamentally disagree with the direction they took Allison's character. Mm. They so did it. That's fine. You know, they can certainly go whatever the way they want. I just don't feel like it adds up to the Allison we knew in the first four to five seasons of the show. And it's like, why is Allie the INTJ mastermind trying to be like super empathetic to Taylor here? It's like, it just feels like the wrong approach from Allison. She's just like, I care so much, but it's like, that's not you, Allie. Yeah. I, I mean, I, again, I think, I, I think I mentioned when we did the PLL podcast, like it could have, you could have hand waved some of it away in the flash forward just to have Allison be like, I was on, I was buried alive. I was on the run from everything from myself. I was on trial. I like was convicted because of bullshit that I've said. Like I fucking hated who I was. That's not who I want to be. I want to be boring. You know, like if she had had some kind of dressed up speech like that, it at least would have made a little bit more sense. And then you still had like a little bit like the old Allison talons that came out in the worst way possible. with like the love triangle with Paige yeah. played out in the halls of Rosewood high here. Some of this is better, but this scene is confusing, but it's also because the mystery of Taylor is so confusing. But, and yet not, it's just like, Oh, you, you, somebody tried to kill you. So you, you faked your own death and ran away. Okay. What we already know you have some weird thing where you can hack into beacon guard, but only for like limited amounts of time or something. And you and Nolan were like trying to crack the conspiracy, but we don't get any of that here. And that's the problem. It's like, it's, it doesn't make any sense. Some of it. I, I feel like Taylor Hotchkiss is like an episode of the week or a monster of the week thing to be solved on the show it it doesn't yet seem like unless taylor's just like there's a massive conspiracy happening at bhu and it's like infected the heart of my family or, or something and mm. i don't know why allison cares about these three particular students nope because <laughs> that's not really her deal <laughs> like no yeah i don't know anyways uh meanwhile Dylan's door apartment. Caitlin's loading up a gym bag with some supplies, including whiskey. Caitlin says, whiskey, check. Spy camera, check. Rope, just in case, check. Uh, it's a good amount of rope, too. Mm-hmm. And Dylan's doing all this while he's uh, kind of sitting in his usual cello spot. He's kind of holding his cello, passing judgment. And he says, well, this doesn't look weird at all. And she sees something, maybe the sheet music, and uh, I don't know. I guess there's a lot of it. And she says, ugh, you have to play all that at your audition? It's like one page, right? It doesn't seem like a lot. Yeah. And Dylan says, well, if Mason doesn't kill me first. And, oh, and I, I missed the line from Caitlin here. Sorry. Caitlin says something that's probably not important. Uh, <laughs> Dylan says, I have to be ready to play any of these orchestra excerpts at random. Didn't seem like it. Uh, after we kidnap and drug a fellow student, uh, Caitlin says, who we think is a murderer. Right. You still think that. Okay. Uh, Dylan's, uh, and then she says, Dylan, how are you going to handle all this? 
He says, I asked for a time extension, but I haven't heard back yet. And she looks like she's kind of stopped caring, and he starts going through sheet music again. He says, these are some of the most difficult cello pieces ever written. Old Crossing, Mendelssohn's Summer Night, Midsummer Night's Dream is a freaking nightmare. Caitlin's kind of sitting across from him. She's ready to come clean. She says, Ava hate, excuse me, Ava hates me. And he goes, what happened? And Caitlin says, I'm the rat. And Dylan says, the fuck am I supposed to know what that means? No, he says, what? And Caitlin says, whoa, whoa, what? I'm the one who outed Ava and her family to the school. And he sits back, just blown away by how terrible it is. Caitlin, how could you do that? And Caitlin says, I didn't mean to. Like, I just told one person. And he's like, well, the one is all it takes. And she should be like, well, then be mad at Nolan. He told me, bitch. Yeah. Uh, uh, Caitlin says, I know. I'd do anything to take it back. And he's like, well, but you can't. It's too late. And Caitlin's like, well, well, now I know whose side you're on. And he's like, it's not about sides, it's about respect. You ruined her one opportunity, her right to speak publicly about her family on her own terms. We're not taking about Ava anymore. And Caitlin kind of takes a deep breath and he says, I mean, do you realize how grateful I am that nobody out of me and my parents were I was ready? I know people who weren't as lucky as me. And Caitlin says, yeah, I really screwed up. I don't know if it's really the same thing, but sure. Well, what's interesting, though, is earlier in this sequence, and then when Ava was over earlier, they started like positioning it to like how Ava was outed mm-hmm. to the school, yeah. like particularly like laying tracks. Like Dylan could like resonate with this later, but it's like this is this is kind of two different things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So Caitlin says, "Yeah, I really screwed up." And Dylan says, "You did, but you also did the right thing, telling her just give her time. You know, I mean, she'll she'll come around." Caitlin's like, "Thanks, Dylan." And then he just goes back to this cello practice. Oh. It's just the, the mood swings for Dylan are very odd. Like he's like super mad at her. And then suddenly he's just like, oh, you know, it's going to be fine. You know, you, you did the right thing. Everything's fine. I'm on, I'm on a lot of painkillers for my yeah. audition. But like also like she's putting together like a murder to go bag. And he's just like, I'm just going to riff over here for my audition. Yeah, I'd be like, hey, you know what, Dylan? You don't actually need to come tonight. Um, well, also, only Caitlin want- needs to be there. You you focus on your audition. I kind of think like also he's like, why are you following me to my place? Like, you don't need to load that bag at my place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can't you load it at your own place? I know we don't have a set for you, but whatever. Um, so back of Taylor and Allison doing some, some more girl talk by that. By the way, if beacon guard is real and it's like taking photos of Dylan in his dorm apartment with Nolan, just saying, be a little more worried about that. Mm -hmm. Like later on, he's not that worried about that. That's a bigger fucking issue than any betrayal. Ava feels fucking worry about the cameras everywhere. Did Booker Booker not tell Ava? I, I think she told Ava specifically that like, We've tracked like your entire movement on this campus since you got here, and you like never. Ha- told Caitlin that. Yeah, we. Yeah, Caitlin. Okay, you, you never hang out with all these people together without Nolan, and so it's like, mm-hmm. hmm, they sure seem to have a lot of info on us. Oh, but well. I mean, the show, the show is written in this kind of way where it's like when we get to the the carousel thing, like that could have been Booker too. It could also not be Booker. We just don't even fucking know, and that's. I feel like that's a problem. Mm-hmm. It's like a little too many options left open. They're just confusing for your audience. But so back of Taylor and Allison, again, doing that girl talk. Taylor's like, why would Nolan trust you? And Allison's like, wish I knew. But he did. That night when he died, he was waiting for someone on that roof. But someone was me. Are we really sure it is? I mean, I know she got the text. But other than that, are we really sure she 
<laughs> that he wanted to trust her. But she says it was very Allison way. Uh, yeah, I thought it was just uh, set up by well, whoever. This is one Jeff of those Frank. things where we're suddenly just taking something as a fact because characters yeah. keep repeating it. Yeah. It was something we were told in a dream. <laughs> but she says in Alice in where it is a fact. It's a fact because she's also carrying the guilt for it from it. So therefore, it is real. So meanwhile, Taylor's face says that this is all making sense to her now. And to prove that, flashback to the pilot. Back in that cabin that's not the current cabin. Uh, Nolan's like, we can't do this by ourselves. We need help. And Taylor, with her longer hair, says, no, Nolan. Um, and then, uh, oops, shit. Uh, Nolan says... I know someone we can trust, my TA. And Taylor's like, no, we've talked about this. And he says, I think this could work. And then suddenly she's like, okay. <laughs> and she hugs him. Mm-hmm. So end flashback, Taylor's a little emotional after just re-experiencing that moment. I mean, I guess it is the last time she saw him alive, you know, yeah. unless she yeah. murdered him. Her thought process is so weird there that that's why a lot of people thought she was a killer, Taylor. Um, but she says, he said that there was someone we could trust, but Allison's like, you're looking at her, bitch. Uh, Taylor's like, I never thought that person could be you, even though we look alike and we think alike and we might mm-hmm. be the same person. I am your soul, runaway. She's like, that was the last time I saw him alive. I was there at the cemetery that day. I was waiting for everyone else to leave so I could say goodbye. I felt oddly safe there. I guess no one looks for a dead girl in the cemetery. And Allison's like, tell me about it. I'm glad you got to say goodbye. Taylor's like, I never got a chance. My mother never left the crypt that night. Not touching upon that, because that's serious. Allison's like, if no one can trust me, why can't you? I mean, maybe Clara's just waiting for uh, for Nolan to rise up so she could stake him, you know? Or that's where the secret passageway to something is. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Even though, presumably, we were not on campus at that church. <laughs> But so, again, if no one can, tr- if can trust me, why can't you? And Taylor's just like, oh, honey. But well, she walks past Allison, and Allison like, watches her go over her shoulder. Let's get to the breakout character of the show. Yeah, cut to a bright projector with Ava. She's planning uh, out her fashion show here. She says, okay, so the runway will be here, approximately 25 feet long, and then I'll have the audience sitting along each side of the runway. Cut to my girl Zoe. Texting yeah, yeah. away on her phone. Probably sending some anonymous, like quasi A threats, uh, just barely paying attention to Ava right now. And Ava says, The cool retro projector will be here, and the music should cue at the exact time as a projector, like so. And she kind of stands in front of the projector, so like the screen's kind of on her and the screen behind her. Uh, and she hits a button on her remote, some music starts pulsing. She hits another button on the remote, the slide advances in the carousel. Zoe's texting away, doesn't give a fuck. Uh, Zoe's a legend. Yeah. It says a lot about the show that Zoe is the breakout character and she's been in like, you know, three minutes or something. And she's basically just doing Mona, you know, a little bit more sassy Mona. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it says, and the models will walk. And then she kind of senses that Zoe's not paying attention here because that was Zoe's cue. And she says, the models will walk. Zoe has no reaction. And it says, Zoe, that's her cue. And Zoe sighs and snaps to attention and kind of dramatically tosses her hair and puts a hand on her hip. And it's just a very sarcastic, exaggerated, like model walk across the student union area that they're setting up. When uh, the catwalk. It's amazing. Yeah. And Ava says, okay, come on, Zoe. This is serious. She's being serious, Ava. She's really <laughs> feeling herself here. <laughs> it's, it's like, man, imagine if uh, our, our lead characters had this kind of personality, you know? Yeah. I just also, Ava and her, like, fucking retro. 
projector. Cha-chunk. Cha-chunk. It's not. It's a time machine. It's not a wheel. It's a carousel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pain from an old wound. <laughs> but uh, it's like, why is Zoe having so much fun on the show and no one else is? It, this is why, like, again, the, the breath of fresh air in this episode is Zoe and Ray Hockator. <laughs> it should be Taylor, too. And it's it's not quite. And that pains me because I really want it to be Taylor. Yeah. So anyway, Zoe's feeling herself and very breathly. She's like, come on, eh? you got to work it. And gives like a carnal grunt. <clears throat> and then her phone beeps and she immediately. Wait, 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 wait. wait. Mm-hmm. How does that go one more time? <clears throat> yeah. That's yeah. Stuff. And she immediately just kind of stops everything she's doing to check her texts. And she just grins like, oh, shit, just got a new batch on Bumble. And Which one is Bumble? Is that the one where the girl the has guys? to text first? OK, cool. Yeah. Or message her. Uh, so Ava sighs and goes back to the rundown, kind of punctuating each point of her plan by advancing to the next slide. And Ava says, OK. And the images will play as the models walk. And they're exploring the lifespan of the Snapdragon in relation to the new designs. I feel like this is almost actually like a, a note-perfect satire of fashion shows. Uh, and Ava's grinning because it's like she's getting to the part she likes with like her design inspiration or something. And she says, and we'll start with, and then, oh, fuck, there in the projector, just behind Zoe, who's not paying attention, is that same photo of Dylan and Nolan and shirtless for Glante Delicto. Uh, that popped up on Dylan's iPad a few episodes ago. It's big old on screen there. Ava's speechless. Now she knows that secret. Music's mm-hmm. pounding. She's crushed, but kind of like an understanding is dawning. Like, oh. And Ava's like, oh my God. And Zoe finally looks up, uh, pretending like she didn't rig this whole thing. And she frowns at Ava and she goes, what's wrong? And Ava kind of snaps out of it and lunges for that projector and just rips the cord out of the socket before Zoe can see what was on the screen. And Zoe's like, you okay? You look like you just got punched in the gut. And Ava just stares. She shook as fuck. So, so this is a fun yeah. scene, but it's uh, it might remind you of something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess next week we're going to actually see Ava's fashion show in an episode that somehow also features her and Dylan going into a sewer and her maybe peeing herself. Mm. And like, <laughs> the funny thing is, I feel like if you're watched, like you're like the critic, like the campus newspaper critic who's like watching this dumbass fashion show where there's like people in ponchos and like people who dress like Sydney Park from the premiere and it's like this is all about the lifespan of a snapdragon <laughs> and then all of a sudden like it pivots to being like gay sex tape <laughs> and you're like this is genius this is quite a subversion of tropes <laughs> the comment on what, her post what a brilliant life. installation yeah well I think <laughs> this scene here it's fun enough I love Zoe but it's like we kind of like did this, but bigger in PLL. This is like a really lo-fi version of it, you know. Also, on PLL, we would have been talking about Zoe, A colors. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mm. after commercial. <laughs> yeah, I'm stabbing shot of Nolan's cabin at night. Looks like we're caught up to the immediate ray opening just about not 24 hours later. Inside, Caitlin, I'm not going to let that go. I'm sorry, everyone. Uh, Caitlin's preparing some glasses of bourbon. Um, she picks up a hidden camera thing that looks like it's about to be the size of a baseball, but, you know, square, hands it to Dylan. She's like, okay, find somewhere to hide this so that we can video the entire room. And he's like, yeah. And she's like, okay. The door opens abruptly. Oh, shit, it's Ava. And she's pissed because that's Ava's one speed. <laughs> and Ava's just like, a rat and a cheater. Nolan really knew how to pick them. Wouldn't it make more sense if I told you I had hit like five bars on the way over here? (laughs) 
she like stomps into the room and plants that slide on Dylan's chest. And she's just like, how long? Which that's a weird question to ask. Mm-hmm. He flinches away. It's alarm. Like, don't like, you takes, know? <laughs> don't you have the slide? Are you, are you missing a slide? <laughs> she takes a slide and she's like, how long was it going on? How long has this been going on? Yeah. Dylan's like seeing the slide. She's like, oh shit. And Caitlin's like, what? So I she find grabbed, it interesting that Caitlin just grabs a slide to look. I mean, that's all that conversation about outing and whatnot. But yeah, sure. Uh, well, I feel like Caitlin's she wants to get a little payback on Dylan. She, she's yeah, looking. She's yeah. like, I wanted there to be multiple slides and have it be like a clue thing. And someone's just like, how do you even get into that position? Oh, I'll yeah, show you. I don't think so. Uh, so Caitlin's like, oh, my God. And Dylan's just like, look, I think it was before you. He means Ava. And Caitlin says, wait, so it was during Nolan and me? That was what, like a fucking year ago? How does the fucking timeline on this fucking show not make any fucking sense? And it's only been five fucking episodes. I just, I, ah, uh, this is, this is where I just exploded in my notes. I was like, how the hell was everything seemingly happening at the same time a year ago when if you watched the pilot, you would not have any impression of that at all? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then she yells, fuck. And he's like, well, that's what no one and I did. Wink. Um, so, like, also, in the pilot, he be it, it, more the, freaked out by the camera that took sex tape pictures of him? Probably, yeah. I mean, I guess he's already seen it, but like, Andrew and him in the pilot seems like they had just moved in together, but seemingly like they've been living together for a year now ish, six supposedly. months, year, three weeks. Hmm. Anyway, somebody please answer if you're out there. I mean, I don't need people who. You know what I mean? Are they, you know what I'm So, on. like, if this all happened back then, this is like right when they first got to college with their sophomores now. Like, did Caitlin and Nolan date in high school or in college? I don't know. So, presumably, that has been answered in that Mason and Caitlin, I think, dated in high school. Okay. Then they came to BHU and Mason changed and he took Caitlin. Nolan changed. Sorry, Nolan changed. Fuck these names. Mm-hmm. Nolan changed, and he took Caitlin like she's property from Mason. Then that relationship fizzled. Who knows how long that lasted? But it couldn't have been more than a year because this is presumably their sophomore year of college. And she started dating Jeremy, and then Nolan started fucking probably like and three that was, people. That and was a year ago, Ava. essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And and I like how Dylan's just like well, so Dylan says here. Look, we barely talked back then, all right. I never knew if you were Nolan's real girlfriend or if you weren't. Or, and so it's like he's like, I know how I know how Nolan like laid track. Mm-hmm. I knew you guys were hooking up, but I didn't know you caught feelings. My bad. <laughs> You're bad. One of our bads. Oh Jesus. So she's like, so this is what you were hiding from Andrew and from me for a year or whatever the fuck. And he's like, it is what made Andrew walk out on me. Yes, I couldn't lie to him anymore. And she's like, oh, but you could lie to me. And he's like, yes, get over yourself. It was one time. Which makes it, I don't know. I mean, not the most flattering character, Dylan, really. No. It's like, his whole thing is just he cheated. Yeah. I mean, Andrew sucks, but still. Um, I'm trying to remember, did anyone, who cheated in PLO? Um, Aria? Yeah, I think Aria did a lot actually. What's <laughs> <laughs> well, Aria though? That's yeah. Um, uh, Spencer, maybe kind of. Spencer was always like definitely flirtatious. She definitely, she definitely, uh, you know, locked lips with other people while dating Toby ostensibly. 
you know that Spencer and Toby had the most entertaining, like, exceptions list. Mm. Like, the freebie list. You know that had them fucking wild. Yeah. Um, like, to- like, Toby, I, I don't think you're ever going to have a chance to have sex with Ariel the Mermaid. I might. You <laughs> never know. She's like, really, Toby? You've got Helen Mirren on your list? He's like, yeah, I do. You really want to burn one of the five, huh? Okay. Oh God. So Caitlin's just like, it doesn't make it right. And Ava turns to Caitlin and she's like, You never cared about Nolan. Why do you care about this? And Caitlin says, I care about being lied to. Who is lying to Caitlin? I don't know. I don't know who's lying. Caitlin's like, You guys spent the last episode yelling at me and this episode yelling at me. Now I just want to yell at you guys for a while, Mm -hmm. please. So I I think she's getting back at him for taking Ava's side earlier. And Dylan's like, Psh. So that's the one who outed Ava. I like that Nolan is dead and he's still somehow Yoko factoring these dumbos. Mm-hmm. Um, Caitlin's like, you know what? Can you all just shut up so we can do this thing? And Ava says to Dylan's like, I don't blame him for leaving you. And it's like the one that one really landed for Dylan or something. You know, I'd care more if, if Dylan and Andrew had any kind of chemistry together. Um and Ava hands Caitlin a little bottle of pills. It's so weird that they're kind of doing this thing from the books here, but not really. It, it kind of seemed for a second like, oh, man, are they accidentally going to, like, kill someone with their, like, you know, Mickey. Yeah, yeah, their anti-anxiety pills that they yeah. they think they've done uh, that. But then, like, somebody dies and, oh, it was actually cyanide. Woo. But no, they don't. It's They, they like, kind of walk up to the point where you're like, oh, are they going to do a book thing? But then they don't. Which would be very weird if they did a book thing. For it's like the same thing is from the other characters, like two different characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he was like, when he's not looking, put three of these in his drink. He should be telling his whole life story up in the hour. And Dylan's like, and is that when we come in and beat the shit out of him? And this is when you say, fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. And he was like, no, that's when Caitlin dazzles him of her winning personality. It makes him feel safe. Like he can tell her the truth. And she's saying this all up in Caitlin's face. Like this is just the sweetest most exquisite, sharpest burn of all times. And Caitlin just looks like shined on as fuck. And he was like, and then we can come in and take the camera. So Dylan like sets the camera like in a crate on the corner in plain sight. And Ava scoffs. I, I want her to like take off a glove and slap him with it. She's like, come on, Dylan. Let's see that the second he walks in, you moron. Dylan's like, yeah, well, who died and made you boss, Ava? And this is when she's like, Nolan. Ooh. This would have made more sense if you're going to do some kind of fractured version of this in the cold open, but whatever. Um, Caitlin's like, are we sure we want to do this? I can't even remember what the plan is anymore. Yeah. <laughs> same. same. It was like, don't you dare, Caitlin. We can't do this without you, and you owe me. Caitlin's like, I made a mistake. I'm sorry that it hurts you, but... You know, that like, line about um, Nolan, you know, who died and made you boss Nolan... I continue to think it's so weird that one of these three like really mourns Nolan and the other two don't. It's just yeah. odd. Yeah. What's well, like he was terrible. Uh, like he he was definitely like inside of another woman while he was alive mm-hmm. and we were dating and it may have been my apartment. We can't even tell now um like <laughs> when it was happening, but he left me this broken camera lens. Also he left me these pills. Mm-hmm. He cared. So um, it was like, you said you're willing to do whatever it takes to, to your, to your life back. 
take your life back. Sorry, I can't read. Whatever it takes to stop Nolan 2.0, whatever it takes to prove me that you're sorry. And it's like, yes, I did. We're about to break a lot of laws here. Felonies. And Dylan says, Ava, maybe that comes easy to you, though. You know, runs in the family. Um, he just like takes this opportunity again to stick it to her. He's a vindictive little prick. And even Caitlin's like, Jesus, dude. Um, and Ava's like, screw you. And then Dylan should be like, you mean like Nolan did? But then uh, she turns away like on the verge of tears. And then, and then he goes, Ava, I'm sorry. It's like, oh, now you're sorry? Like three seconds after intentionally like saying something to hurt her? Like it's so like, weird. He's like, you got to understand. I had to get that burn in before anyone else did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't want to lose credit there. for it. Yeah. <laughs> I Ava, figured if I shot all the bullets out of the gun, no one else could use them. Ava's uh, like, don't waste your breath. Caitlin says, let's just stop fighting and focus on what we're doing here. I need things to go back to the way they were. Dylan's just like, same. I came to BHU to be laser focused. I can't nail my audition tonight with this hanging over my head. And meanwhile, Ava's planted that camera kind of behind a roll of duct tape, a little more hidden. I wonder if that will come to be important later. Uh, also, just LOL, these characters are essentially like scheming to get off the show that they're on. Mm-hmm. They're just like, I have a life to get back to. I can't be doing this show. Well, which is funny in this kind of show, you're right. Because it's not like the show is about them being trapped on a mysterious island. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? <laughs> They're in the thick of like the good drama. They're just like, I'd rather be boring and just do my fucking studies. Yeah, um, Ava turns back to the others and crosses her arms and goes, we're set. And Caitlin says, so this is how it's going to be after tonight. We're just going to move on like we're no longer friends. And Ava says, we were never friends. And then Will mm-hmm. Smith says, so that's it. We're some kind of pretty little liars, the perfectionists. Roll credits. So, cut to Mona having some tea at the student union. Her chess piece is out um, on the table there. It's like a milk steamer, like squeals behind her. So we can presume that the Crimson Eagle is just this like espresso bar within the student union. Like, you can kind of see there's a sign back there that says Crimson Eagle. Yeah. Um, I guess this is essentially where that like corner of the student union where we saw like Mason and Ava and Caitlin, that whole thing. Um, not not the chillest place to beat up for a date. Especially if you're Mona supernova fucking Vanderwall. Yeah, no, (laughs) I guess they have one major set. So, you know, all out like, like Mona should be like, if you actually go into Beacon Heights, the town, there's a cute little like French tea shop. That's also like a mirror museum. I mean, that's where I usually go with my dates. Seriously, honestly, are are faculty even allowed in student unions? Isn't that kind of passe? I could see like the I'm a TA who doesn't have an office. And so I'm meeting the students on their level for like these like like consultations. But like, yeah, I don't think you should. know. It's like a kid going to the teacher's lounge. You know, it's like, hey, there's a student union here. I just let myself into the faculty bathroom and I used the toilet and I didn't flush. Cause that's mm-hmm. what I think of you guys. Um, so Mona taps away on her phone to Allie. Like, where are you? I'm getting worried. When suddenly out of fucking nowhere, that darn dang Dana Booker comes up behind her and snatches up the night piece. Have you ever heard of fucking like personal space? And she's like, hello, Mona. And Mona's face is like unhand my erotic chest piece. And Booker's like, why is this moist? Um, and Mona's like, hello. Sneer. So Booker's like looming behind Mona and she's like, mind if I sit down? Mona's like, oh, please be my guest. So Booker's like, I want to get your opinion on something. And Mona's like, yes, you could use a makeover. (laughs) Kind of like does sting Booker. Booker's face is just like, oof. (laughs) You just called me ugly. Fuck. That's rude. It hurts. Booker's like, 
oh, about your friend, Allison. The Mona, like, Gallus is like, hmm. Booker's like, I'm sure you know she's protecting Dilla, Ava, and Caitlin. Why do you think she's doing that? And I want Mona to be like, I don't even know who that is. Yeah. I'm like, seriously, I'm admissions. I deal with, like, thousands of students. You're giving me, like, single names, boring names. So Mona just, like, shrugs, stirs her coffee, and she's like, those three look like they needed help. She's very nurturing. Booker's like, but why those three? Mona's like, no idea. This show doesn't make a ton of sense if you think about it, or don't think about it even. Booker's like, really? You don't see a pattern? And Mona's like, of? Booker says, isn't this what should, happened? Should we Booker? be doing some Hastings Center theater here? Oh, probably. Where do you want to pick up? Uh, I'll be Booker. Really? You don't see a pattern? Of? Isn't this what happened in Rosewood when she was in high school? The way she formed a tight group of people around her. People who are dependent on her. Then Mona rolls her eyes, like affronted by the idea. And she's just like, first of all, how fucking dare you compare my wonderful dolls to these boring college monsters? Second, that's not a pattern. That's ancient history. Nice edit there. Uh, Booker says, I think it says a great deal about the kind of person she is. That she needs people to be committed to her, indebted to her. Nolan Hotchkiss had this little group of his, ready-made posse. Now he's gone and Allison seems to have grafted them onto herself. Like her, her theory is that Allie's trying to steal Nolan's posse. This is your lead investigator for murder. Uh, committing a murder just to make friends seems exhausting. Um, I was like, Allie's a very complex person. It's part of her charm. Part of yours, too. Smiles, Mona fakes a frown. Huh? I noticed in your file you never told the university what happened on Ruda Sifler. Am I saying it right? My French isn't very good. No, it's not. And no, I didn't tell him. It's not relevant. I see. So tell me, do you worry that Alex and Mary Drake may try to find you? How in the fuck does Booker know about this? Do the liars know? Does everybody know that there's a couple psychopaths in the wind? Anyways, Mona tries to laugh it off. Well, but I mean, I know we complain about the pointless callbacks to the previous show, but this is a Pandora's box you can't just like take a playful little peek into. It's like, that's huge right there. Like, this is not cutesy, like, oh, Hannah and I used to shoplift. Like, that's fucking huge. Mona's like, yeah, laughing off. She's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. A predatory smile from Booker. Oh, but isn't that what got you in trouble with the FBI in the first place? Making connections that aren't there? Booker ain't smiling no more. You come up, Mona, you best bring Crips tonight. Letting an obsession with the Jalali case cloud your judgment, leading you to take shortcuts, illegal ones. That's what got you fired, isn't it? And Booker looks down. She's kind of mortally wounded by the reigning champion. It's funny thing about research. It goes both ways. And I'm the fucking champ. And Booker just kind of hisses and gets up to leave. But Mona's not finished with her yet. Excuse me? The chess piece? So Booker gives it back and says, good luck, Charm. Everyone needs a white knight sometime. Even though Mona is clearly the dark knight, she's not the hero Beacon Knights uh, could ever hope to deserve, but the one it needs to keep their ratings passable. Or it's her totem to let her know if she's in a dream or not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Booker glares, walks off, leaving Mona alone to be sad because Taylor or Bad Bishop or Taylor stood Taylor. her up. If yeah, it's not it's Taylor, not I'm going to be so disappointed. That's be like the, it'd be like, oh, you 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 were setting up something actually good, and then wah wah wah. Well, so like, I know there's that's like the reigning thing is two people are like uh, the people are like, oh, it's either Taylor or it's Mason. I get where you're making the mistake of thinking it's Mason, everybody. 
I know that like she has called him smart and good looking before, and she supposedly calls him smart and good looking in the next episode. And he does have something he was supposed to do later, and he'll see if he can get out of it. I presume that something he had to do later is something with Booker, because I still think he's working for Booker. God, I really hope that's it. Yeah. But Mona's like, Padet, mine, White Knight, didn't show. She bites her lip, concerned. Um, like the Jalali case does not seem like a good place for an FBI agent to make it their Waterloo, you know? Like, it's not like you're working on Mueller's team. Yeah, did he like did Ava's dad like shoot your partner or something? Like seriously. It's like financial crime, seemingly, right? Like that's kind of yeah. the, the impression yeah. we get. He's like embezzling yeah. some money. This is really more of like a thing for like marshals now, I would think, or bounty hunters. Like you yeah, know like he's the secret did service. It. Yeah. So in Taylor's defense though, I think if you showed up to a blind date and the person you were meeting was already having tea time with the person investigating your mm. brother's murder, boner killer. Man, if it's Mason, I'm just gonna vomit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which Mason? Yeah, Mason or Nigel? <laughs> I guess Nigel, hopefully. <laughs> Thank you for seeing fit to have t- a time with me, even though I was again born shamefully without an accent. <laughs> I just, I just want like him to try to banter with Mona for like a minute, and then she just like decapitates him. She just looks so disappointed, and then like blood starts flying. Mm-hmm. So anyway, speak of the devil, cut uh, to Allie's place where Allie is just walking Taylor into her old digs, completely unconcerned about that whole surveillance state situation that's happening on campus. Oh, but we see that she yanked the box out of there. Oh, do we see that? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Taylor specifically notices the box is unplugged. Yeah. So Taylor walks in sort of in a day to see this place again after a year. Who knows? Uh, Allie flips the lights on behind her. Some tracking shots moving through the living room. And Taylor's like, you've uh, really done a lot of the place. And I was like, I'm sorry. They they redecorated before I moved in. Did they? Did Ray Hoggedorn redecorate? Like, pff, whatever. Sure, whatever. And Taylor's like, no, don't be sorry. It's her home now. And she tries to smile for Allie, but she can see she's she's gutted. She's fighting tears. And Allie says, are you sure you don't want to go see your mom? I don't think she'd ever try to hurt you. Allie, you seem to have forgotten how you ended up in a grave that one time. Yeah. Taylor says, no, I just need one night in a place where I feel safe. She's so emotional. <laughs> yeah, I know. Allie nods and I was like, yeah. Taylor's just staring at the walls while Allie plugs her phone in and immediately charges and gets a warning mess, uh, text from Mona and says, if you found her, don't come back. I mean, no shit, right? Like, did we really need Ray Hogadorn to tell us that? Uh, <laughs> Allie looks up in a panic. Uh, like, she never considered the idea that this place might not be safe for Taylor, who's been living off the grid for a year, hiding from Beacon Guard. Uh, and only now does Allie, like, kind of look up and around, like, maybe for cameras or something as Taylor's pacing unaware across the room. Why would Allie be this dumb? I don't know. Maybe she thinks that by unplugging that box, her house is like off the grid completely. She should be like dismantling the fucking cameras. Like, like there should be like that the end of the fucking conversation, or she's just like ripped up every floorboard well, or whatever, the, and is like looking for surveillance shit. The easy fix here would be she comes in first. You don't see Taylor, and she goes around and like unplugs something, and then like turns the radio on. You know, like mm-hmm. she unplugs a beacon guard box, turns radio on. And then it's like, OK, Allie's taking the necessary precautions so we can assume that they're safe right now. Yeah. But instead, it seems like whenever Taylor and Allison are in the same scene, they have to be dumber. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like they've countered each other out. So back in Nolan's cabin, Ava pulls back the drapes to peek out the window and she says to herself, where is he? 
And Dylan into the phone says, yep, thank you. He hangs up the phone. He's like, so I got them to push my audition to last on the schedule, which makes a problem later. Mm-hmm. But if I don't leave now, I'm not going to make it. So it's not suspicious at all that he's like auditioning at 10 p.m. or whatever. Well, so, it's uh, <laughs> what, eight now? Because he's an hour late. Yeah, so yeah. I guess he's, his audition's going to be like 8.30-ish. I don't know. Well, again, we don't know how fucking far away this cabin is. So he pops some pills, which are probably painkillers for a shoulder boo-boo. Yeah, I guess. I was hoping to be Adderall. I'm sorry. One of these people should be on Adderall, right? I feel like it's almost like every time a character pops Adderall on the show, it's like you somehow get an Adderall too. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. shit, You discovered my secret. Um, What what do they call them? when Spencer was taking them study aids oh, or study, study pills. Aids, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, the fucking, the fucking scenes are she had to acquire those two. Uh, I know. Like Bridget Wu and Andrew. Yeah. So anyway, it says, are you sure Mason Newt was tonight? I mean, one other day would it be? And she says, yeah, I'm sure. And he's Mr. Punctual. So he would never be an hour late. Like, Do we know that? Oh yeah, the the one thing we know about Mason so far is he is how how just fucking on time he is. You know, never late. Uh, Ava scoffs and she says, "We got played. I wanted this more than anyone, but I say we call it." Uh, they all kind of just kind of stare at each other for a bit. And Caitlin says, "All right, well then, you guys can go. I'll pack up. A hundred percent chance she's gonna forget that camera." Uh, Ava heads the door. Dylan says, "What does this mean for the three of us?" And Ava says, "I don't think I, you can be friends with people you can never trust." Eva out. Caitlin gives Dylan a look like, like yeah, cheater. A, does she like take the microphone out of her pur- purse that she just drops up a thud? Yeah. I like how Caitlin gives this Dylan look like yeah, cheater. Uh, so he takes off too, and Caitlin's just like whatever. And then she kind of looks at that hidden camera and does a little eyebrow raise. I wonder. I was like, oh, is is she gonna do something with that camera now? Does she have her own scheme? Is she gonna blackmail them? Probably not. Uh, she starts packing up her rocks glasses into a bag, and then her phone beeps. Oh, it's a text from Mason. Sorry I'm late. On my way. Okay. Uh, so Caitlin looks around nervously before replying, I'll be waiting for you. And she kind of sighs heavily as we go to commercial. I mean, so far, that will change in a big way. He's not been creepy this episode. No. It's a completely different Mason. I don't even uh, know if it changes later, honestly. Well, no, we'll, we'll get there. There's some things. Um, so after commercial, we're in a big lecture hall, and it's time for Dylan's audition for the first chair. The lighting's super dramatic. There's like a blind spotlight on him on the stage. You've got the three judges sitting in the very back row, entirely in shadow, silhouetted. Like they could be maybe not even real. Like they're meant to maybe evoke the three shadows or the three reflections of the three perfectionists themselves. It's visually very interesting and not you. I mean, I, I know why you put this in the trailer because it's haunting. But like this scene is not amazing. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I no, I I like this scene. I feel like it works fine on its own. I could this this feels like it could exist in PLL, and maybe it would pay off, or maybe it would just be kind of unsettling. Like that kind mm-hmm. of feels like PLL to me, where you don't always need the explanation for something. Uh, okay, it's just in the midst of an episode where I feel like we're just trading in quicksand. You know. Well, I mean, like I would play with this more about the uh, the tension of the audition. Um, it, it seems like they want to get out of this scene very fastly. So he's like sitting there awkwardly in the spotlight of his cello, and you hear a voice say, "What is your name?" And he says, "Dylan Walker." It's, it's this the, very kind of I don't know, borderline distorted. harsh, harsh voice. There's, it's also it sounds like it might be distorted too, but it's just like, "What is your name?" Yeah, you know, it's like what not not friendly. Yeah. 
Uh, and he's like, uh, the Star the Chamber. Cor- yeah. <laughs> the Courant section of Bach's first cello suite. So the three judges say nothing, not reacting at all. Good call. Two might be women, which I think would be interesting if it's reflecting like shadow versions of them. Mm-hmm. So, so Dylan sits, he sets up with sets up of his cello and sheet music. He stares at the notes, taking a while to collect himself, and he like plays a bar and then has to like stop, like gasping his hand, twitching, he's breathing hard. Up in the back row, like one judge leans in over to the other. And you can just kind of tell that these these judges, like one of them is if they're real human beings, like one of them might be like a long haired ponytail asshole. But you could tell, dude, you just know this guy's one of those assholes who has like the slick back ponytail, like pendulette. Yeah. I think the word you're also looking for is Birkenstocks. Mm-hmm. Like what's the like really Portland people? What's the the Birkenstocks and jorts situation up there? I, I think it's uh, all systems go. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> Slim pickings in Portland, huh? Well, Dylan looks over. Some other dude, the competition makes an unimpressed face. This is the problem I have. Uh, Dylan yeah, stands weren't up. you the last one to go? Mm. Seriously, you're the last one to go. Who is your timeline person on this show? They they really shit the bed hard. Um, Dylan stands up, unsure what to do, and the voice says, Mr. Walker, is there a problem? He's like breathing hard. He sits back down and collects himself, like, like harnessing his chi with calming breath. Then maybe he crushes his audition. We just don't know. I mean, seemingly does. I don't know. I did like the. I felt the awkwardness and the panic of the scene. I guess you know. I guess I I went into the scene thinking we were going to get something just really paranoid and interesting and tense and and. Yeah, I liked it. It just seemed like it kind of flew by. Anyways, we're gonna start cutting from uh, Dylan's performance here uh, to Ava. Uh, we see her once again getting her money back down from her secret stash. She must just really like looking at that money. Uh, then we're kind of cutting back to Dylan's performance. Well, if you had that much money, you can tell me you wouldn't indecent proposal yourself. I feel like this is like the third or fourth time she's done this. Where it's like I get my money out. I look at it. Okay. 100%. I am I am getting in that money on that bed. Yeah. So kind of cutting back and yeah. forth. We go back to Ava. She picks up her coat. Uh, it's that ugly one from episode three and then one of those packing peanuts falls off on her bedspread and she smiles mm-hmm. and we quickly flash back to that one singular time where the three perfectionists played with some packing peanuts in the student union and were sort of friendly with each other it's like ah memories uh, then back to Ava in the present she buries that memory grabs that bag full of money and takes off and then we're back with Dylan he finishes his piece and sharply inhales that was super taxing seemingly he's drenched in sweat he might have just, you know, shed a tear, but like a tear from pain, probably. Uh, he probably just made his nerve condition a whole hell of a lot worse. But it was, I don't know, I guess to me, what I'm getting from this is that like he just gutted through it and did mm-hmm. well. But like, what did it cost him? I guess, you know, you can tell that that like seriously wrecked him. Well, if he did get the summer symphony first chair position, he's got the rest of the school year to rest up. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but so the ponytail prick in the back just says next. I don't know who he's calling next. Who's next? <laughs> so he just gets up and leaves with this cello and cheat music. It's definitely like good sign, bad sign. Who knows? Maybe this guy's just an asshole. He does that to everyone. Well, also, you've called and like postponed several times. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, maybe they're a little and upset. Now, yeah, like they're like, oh, that's 9 of 30 and we're finally doing your audition. Yeah, we don't like you, kid. Mm-hmm. So back in Nolan's cabin, Caitlin is finally preparing the dosed drink. And it's just in time because a car is pulling up outside. What, what, right. Second. What took what, you so long, Caitlin? Like, why are you just doing this now? I would say, oddly, the way they edited it earlier, because it really seemed like she had done it earlier 
One I mean, maybe she poured it out and then did it again or something. I don't know. Just burning through those pills. It's a lot yeah. of anxiety. You're not anti whatevering. So how did it take her long to get the drink ready? It's a good question. Uh, we hear a car door open and then close. She quickly hurries to hide the pills in a small bag she brought just as Mason enters the cabin. She's like, hi. And he's like, hope you're hungry. I stopped by your, stop at your favorite Italian place. He's got a big paper bag of takeout. Italian's just Italian's, not Italian's not really to-go food in my opinion. I don't know. I'm trying to remember who was it the Italian food. Was it Marco Fury? Did he bring Italian yeah. to Spencer? Yeah, with like uh like, like cherry like, soda or something insane. Yeah. Is there just like a really good like Italian to go place in Burbank? Yeah. Like right by the WB lot. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> so Caitlin's just like, oh well, that's perfect because I got your favorite whiskey. It's bourbon, Caitlin. It's whiskey, whatever. Bourbon is whiskey. Don't be a whiskey oh, it's, oh. it's whatever. She's a 19-year-old girl. It's my, fine. My. It's fine. Mason's like, ah, Kate, you know, I made a pact with the rest of the team to not drink in the crew season's over. That's right. I'm crewing. I'm going to use that term. Probably oh, it's like inaccurate. the whole plan is foiled. Yeah. And she's like, well, fuck. I just thought since it's you and me and I mean, no one's going to know. And he's like, oh, are you asking me to lie? And he kind of laughs like an asshole. Like he's like, oh, I forgot. I'm the villain of the piece. Well, it's uh, like he's trying to intimidate her, her again. Yeah, it's like, oh, uh, so yeah, now that you're back to being the blackmailer, why would you ever come out to hook up with the blackmailee? Which- oh, I, uh, yeah, because it's it's the most dangerous ulterior modes there. But like, uh, he's not even like Mr. Body Smooth. I saw a picture of this dude at some public thing with the cast. He's grown a mustache, which is hilarious because I just pictured what, him, like what kind thing. of mustache, like a push broom or. It was like I'd have, to go, I'd have to go look it okay. up. I want to say it was like vaguely like Salvador Dali esque. Maybe I'm just making that up in my memory more. But like I was like, oh, I wish you had that stupid mustache on the I show. Know. I do feel a little bad for this actor because his character changes every episode. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't. You know, it's like uh, what's her name with the great with the great real name Ariel, whatever. Oh, Ariel I'm, Miranda. Yeah. Played Sean. What a fucking like Shakespearean name she had. Mm-hmm. Um, like I don't know that she was a bad actor. It's just like Shauna, you know, she did what she could of Shauna. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's it's weird. Like the the bit players who can like really fucking shine with nothing, like Harry Lime or uh, Bacon a Cake. Um, so, anyways, Caitlin's flustered and she's like, "No, I'm, I'm not." Whatever we were talking about a second ago, and Mason's like, "Who knew you were so naughty?" And she's like, "I thought you did, though. I don't know if I actually fucked you or not. Who knows?" Mm-hmm. And he's like, like "And I thought I was remember that time I stuck a finger up your asshole." Oh, you're talking about the characters. I'm sorry. I was <laughs> like, Oof. Oof. "Secrets are coming." Out. Did you really cut out our uh, our dumb innuendo joke last week? Which innuendo joke? Scooping. I don't even remember that, so I can't tell. <laughs> you were you had some kind of great uh, euphemism for like Mona. Oh like, yeah, uh, I, I did edit that out. Yeah, it was like pounding the button or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> that was. Hilarious. We'll edit this out too. Oh good. Uh, like the one person that's going to be offended probably doesn't even listen. Um, so he's like, I thought I was going to have to deal with Jeremy, but I uh, guess you took care of that, didn't you? What does that mean? And well, she's like, out of nowhere, she's like, is it a little chilly in here? And then just immediately, robotically, he's like, I saw some firewood in front. I'll go grab it. And then you and I can warm this place up together. And it's just like, it's so odd. Like she changes the subject so kind of blatantly. 
And then he's just like, yes, I will go get some firewood. It's like normal people don't interact like this. It's so strange. This this season could end with the revelation that everyone robots. else is robots mm-hmm. or clones or ghosts or aliens. <laughs> like, but that's that's 100 percent the fucking direction I would take. Well, it's in. just like, oh, yeah, that Jeremy guy. I uh, blackmailed you into getting rid of that fucker because I wanted you. You took care of that, didn't you? And she's like, a little chilly in here, isn't it? And he's just like, oh, I'll go get some firewood. Can't remember what I was just talking about. Yeah. I would just grab the wheel and steer this full Polanski. Um, so like he's gone and she's like, mm-hmm. uh, she's clearly repulsed. Doesn't want to be there. Somehow he's completely misses this. Goes gets the firewood. Yeah, he's like not reading the situation at all. Like all the strained looks on her face. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And she's emoting like crazy. Yeah. And she's like, oh, fuck. Now what? Yeah. I'll tell you what, Caitlin. Dose is fucking lasagna. That's a, that's a real anti-Garfield mood right there. Um, so back at the student union. Abe was walking up to the coffee bar for like bag of money to fuel up on some uh, pumpkin spice lattes like a proper proper basic bitch. She's like, hi, can I get one of those pumpkin spice lattes, please? Thanks. She hands the barista her car and checks on her phone. It's 1030 p.m. PDT, Tuesday, October 7th. So I guess school started in like late September. Well, so there's three days where there's no class because uh, the sign of the family had been killed. Mm hmm. I mean, I guess summer I mean, you September. could get back to like mid-September, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Uh, so Dylan walks up behind her. The exchange, they exchange glances. He pauses. It's unclear if he was coming to see her or just get his own PSL. And he's like, hey. She takes her card back from the barista, not turning around. She's like, how'd it go? And he's like, honestly, I don't know. I don't really know. Neither <laughs> do we, Dylan. And she's like, I'm sure you killed it. And he's like, look, about what I said in the cabin earlier. Um, and she's like, same. And it was seen that these two were supremely simpatico if they can just get past like him fucking her dead secret boyfriend who was kind of his dead secret boyfriend too. Yeah. Ava has her coffee. She grabs her bag, walks past, and she's like, goodbye, Dylan. And he's like, well, wait. You say that like I'm I'm never going to see you again. I'm still going to come to your fashion show. I made you a promise, all right? I'm, I'm going to stick to that. And she smiles like, oh, that's sweet. Go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself hard with your cello. Fuck you. Here's my little tiny microphone that I carry around. Dropped. She walks off, stops, does one last dramatic turnaround and shrugs. Like it would, it blows my mind because it's like Haley Aaron came from the, the soap opera. Mm. I would have swore Sophia Carson did too because she's she's got that style of acting down. It's art. It's because she's smizing the whole time. Yeah, she's like, I understand. And he like blinks and she's like, about you and Nolan. He's like, what? And she's like, I'm really Nolan digging did- your Nolan or your Dylan line readings here. What? She's like, <laughs> uh, uh-huh. she's like, Nolan didn't have many ways of expressing himself, but he was always really good with passion. About mm. passion, we'd be truly dead, yo. It's like the fifth Buffy reference this week. Um, he's like, hmm, hmm, and she's like, I mean, fucking, that wasn't clear. And sometimes it seemed that he was the only way he could show you how he felt, how he truly felt with his penis, his penis feelings. And sometimes that passion was, was overpowering. Duke could fucking rail till I couldn't walk the next day. An apostle turn away from unless he turned me around. Maybe that's how you can kind of explain it to Andrew. I'm sure Andrew wants to hear all this. Well, you see, Andrew, he was just really passionate. Andrew doesn't make it better. Oh, okay. Andrew, I'm not gonna lie to you. He was curved like a banana. Sometimes I would look at that thing, and then like five minutes later, like no one would actually walk into the room. What were we talking about, Andrew? Like thanks, thanks, Dylan. I don't feel better. Dylan's just like thank you. 
Andrew and Dylan with their perpetual, like, we've been on two dates energy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I don't, like, I feel like they don't even know each other's fucking last names. Also, here's the best part, too. This is, this is, this is super dumb. It's a TV show and it's a pilot to the rest of the show. But the set design of the dorm apartment in the flashback in the pilot when it's Dylan's place and Andrew's going to move in next week looks exactly the same as it does now. Meaning Andrew is such a fucking nobody cipher that he moved in and has put not one iota of a fucking thing in that place. Yeah. Also because they reshot all those episodes later. Yeah, 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 still. Yeah. Uh, So anyway, Dylan says, thank you. She smiles and walks off seemingly out of his life. Like, oh, she really just did him a solid there. And like, oh, I'll help you out with your your ex there. Mm -hmm. Just tell him that Nolan's passion is just so overwhelming. Uh, So... Yeah, that whole convo, it'd make a little bit more of an impact if we had ever witnessed any of the shit that Ava's talking about. Like, we've gotten no flashbacks from Nolan, so we're just like, oh, sure, he's passionate, whatever. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like uh, we got all these flashbacks of Allie to see, like, her different contradictory sides. And here, it's just characters just tell us about each other's character traits all the time. I don't know if you're forgetting that he told her that she was going to conquer the world of her YouTube brand, and then he fucked her all over every inch of that pool. I wonder how her channel's going. <laughs> she has she, has she put up a video in a while? Good question. She hasn't been able to sleep, code, design mm-hmm. all day. Like The last six hours have been rough. So back at the cabin, Mason walks in some firewood, and he's like, you know, you might decide we never want to leave this place. I like the idea of keeping you all to myself. Gross fucking gross it's like dude settle down like what the yeah. fuck it's it like your, your first night semi quasi back together like chill you really haven't got anything to work with here too like <laughs> you're not you're not hanging the hook on on anything like a like verifiable here this is whatever so she remains coy he crouches down to get that fire going um she watches about to strike and he's like all right i can't have you being cold uh, he she pulls out a fire poke from behind and bashes him over the head of it. He's out cold. Mission accomplished. <laughs> what? I improvised. Um, she stares at her handiwork in shock for a few beats before rushing into action as we cut to black. Does this work? Does this ring true to you? I don't know. It's just like, oh, that happened. You know, like was it, I mean, was he like, I'm gonna make this fire and then I'm gonna force myself on you or something? You know, like. I mean, she needed him. I guess she stole his phone, right? So she no. she improvised. I don't yeah. know. Uh, Plan B. After commercial Masons, he's still unconscious and bleeding a little from his head. Camera's kind of zooming in on him, and then we're looking right at his face. And after a few seconds, his eyes snap open. Ro-ro. Uh, cut to Caitlin just, like, running through the woods, um, like, breathing hard. Did she not drive here? I don't know. Maybe her car, she, like, she took Ali's advice and parks far away or something. Uh, yeah. 1000% she forgot that camera, right? I'm assuming. I don't know why Is else. Have... That he's a robot now? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, he's a Terminator. Yeah. He just like jogged his programming or something. Uh, mm, him. Meanwhile, Nigel. in another section of the woods, Ava is trekking through with her bag of money and she stops and checks her phone. She's at the exact spot at those uh, coordinates that she found pointed to. And then a flashlight turns on like nearby and points at her as somebody approaches. And Ava goes, Daddy? And the person approaches, Ava smiles and moves toward them. But then, oh, nope, it's just fucking Booker. And Booker's just like, hello, Ava. What a surprise running into you like this. And Ava's like, you are a miserable human being. And Booker says, why? 
because I read your file, because I know your dad called you his beautiful dreamer. That's in her file, huh? Okay. Uh, because I know your favorite lullaby. I'm a fucking creep. That's the beauty of not wearing the badge anymore. I can play the games however I want. None of this is relevant to my investigation. So, earlier today, like Booker broke into Ava's room and hid that note in the pencil sharpener. And like, lucky that she found it, you know, that she needed to sharpen her pencil. Like, or were you planning to come out here like every night for a week until she showed up? Like, like how many times what do you, you do that what stupid are you proving? phone call? What, yeah. What do you think you're proving? Ooh, I knew it. Your dad is still out there somewhere. Well, she she thinks that she's going to entrap her into like a bullshit compromising position. Yeah. Like this is her her methodology to get her to like flip on the other two. Booker says, now, can I have a look in that bag? And Ava takes a step back and says, and Booker says, or maybe we can work something out between the two of us. You keep the bag and tell me which one of your friends killed Nolan Hotchkiss. Or was it your teacher? Like, does Booker not realize she doesn't really have authority here? Ava can just be like, no. No, I'm not going to show you my bag. Also, like, well, why doesn't uh, Ava just be like, none of them did. What the fuck? We keep telling you that we have nothing to do with it. You know? Well, I mean, especially are we on campus at the moment? Like, does she have even jurisdiction to search a student's whatever? I doubt also, it. If you're a salaried employment, this is a real waste of your time. Yeah. You're not getting paid adequately for this. Anyway, rather than Ava just telling them, no, none of us killed Nolan. What the fuck? Uh, she drops a bag at Booker's feet, and Booker kind of greedily rummages through it, but it's just clothes. There's no money. And Ava says, The whites, dude! <laughs> Ava uh, just reminded me of something I could be watching and said, uh, Ava says, The ringer! <laughs> yeah, the ringer cannot look empty. What'd you think you were going to find in there, Dana? A severed head? And Booker just grunts in disgust, and Ava says, I'm not that easy to fool. And Booker's like, Then why did you come here? Because he thought that they came back for you. Isn't that right? And Ava says, are you done with that? And Booker rises and hands the bag back, but holds on to it for a bit and says, offer's still good. You tell me who killed Nolan. You can forget all about the past. And Ava says, but you don't want to forget the past. You want to bury it along with my family. And I'm not going to let you do that. And she rips the bag out of Booker's hands and stomps off through the woods. And Booker's calling after her and says, I might have it wrong. Maybe Nolan found out about the money and you killed him. And Ava laughs, and she's like, why don't you stay out here for a couple hours and think about that? Hey, maybe your bear will eat you. God, if only. Uh, why would Nolan care about the money? Like, he's rich. Yeah, he's, he's yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, he's reflecting pool rich. Yeah, so a wolf howls, and Booker looks around a bit nervous. Um, maybe a bear will eat her. Uh, I like the idea of this scene. Like, ooh, Ava's, she's smarter than she looks. She's going to turn the tables on Booker. Um, but like in the larger concept, this makes no sense. I, I just, I don't know. Okay. Over two tonight, Booker. Over Booker two. It's like Booker, your whole plan is like, I'm going to get leverage on somebody and then demand. They tell me who killed this person. Like as, as it considered, as it entered your, your strategy there that maybe they don't know. Well, I mean, there's, there's two options here. There's like Ava turning the tables and being like, I have one up to you. I've shown you that I'm your intellectual superior. Like, like we're going to escalate this game. I'm clearly not thinking about the fact that now you're going to retaliate and this is just going to get even crazier. Or she could just be like, what are you talking about? You know, like she could just play dumb, like I, and just get this one off her back. Or yeah, like you said, just be like, again, I'm sticking to my story. I, Congratulations for tricking me into thinking my dad is out here waiting for me. 
he really proves something. Why don't you go to the cops, Ava, about Booker? Yeah. This woman is harassing me. I think she should be arrested. Turns out she's not actually a police officer, and it's not in her purview to investigate a homicide. Why haven't I been in question by an actual member of law enforcement? Like, what is this Beacon I mean, Heights that doesn't, bullshit? That doesn't theoretically matter if we'd establish that Booker does, in fact, have some sort of power over her, you know, but so far it's we're just going on assumptions. Anyways. I mean, but like, even if, even if, if Claire had been like, we draw a lot of water in this town. I've, I've worked at the Beacon Heights PD that, that you're going to be able to handle this investigation, though I don't know why anyone would ever agree to that. It seems like a huge liability issue. Anyway, back at Allie's place. Mona's shown up. Allie's given her the business about taking Ray Hagedorn's word on anything. And Allie's like, okay, I get that he said it was dangerous for Taylor to be here, but, who, but why are we trusting a crazy guy who lives in the basement? And she's like, well, he doesn't actually live in a basement. He lives in a old classroom in the Brian J. Holden complex. But she's like, because I believed him. And I was like, how long has he been living down there? Like, was this meant to be a basement in the draft of the script and it got changed to something more filmable? Anyway, mm-hmm. Mona's like, long enough to hear and see an awful lot about this place. Allie, he's the one who wrote the message on the wall. Allie's like, they're watching from the pilot. Yes, I recall. Who was the person who supposedly came in and fixed something while she was gone in episode two? Uh, a janitor or like, like maintenance what was the thing or something. That got, what was the thing that got fixed? Because their watching is still there in the hall. Yeah, that was the thing about that scene is that it was unclear at the time what she was talking about. Yeah, Mona's like, yes, he was trying to warn her. Allie, you need to wake her up and get her out of town. And I was like, you said it yourself. You said it yourself. This isn't Rosewood. And Mona's like, no, but it might be just as bad in its own uniquely creepy way. Yeah. Well, the jury's out. Jury's still out. No one else would be like, that's what I fucking said three episodes ago. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, heads halfway up the stairs, like the loft, we were stopping and sighing. And she's like, I convinced her to come back here. What am I supposed to tell her? Like, just get out, like mm-hmm. she told me earlier. And I was like, that you made a mistake. Now go. So Allison heads up to the loft. Mona, like, pulls out her chest piece and stares at it, regretful. Oh, that'd be so great if Taylor walked out right now. And Allie's like, off screen, we hear, like, Taylor, Taylor. Up on the landing, Allie rushes out. She's like, she's gone. Mona's like, what? Okay, when you say gone, what do you mean? Like she just like fucking killed her or she OD'd? Are we going to like cut up her body and flush parts of her? She's like, missing, Mona. She's not where I left her. Mona's like, Allie. Mona glares like, man, get your shit handled. Get your shit handled real good. So back in the woods. Um, Ava gets back in her car. Yeah, she slams the door, bangs her head against the headrest and fights tears. Not that hard because she's Sophia Carson. Uh, and after a few beats uh, collect herself, she pulls out a big trash bag from the glove compartment. That's where all their cash is. Great hiding place. Good thing Booker didn't just follow you back to the car. Uh, so so it's it's now just a glove compartment full of cash? Seems like it was so much more cash before. Yeah, maybe it's a big glove. I don't know. I mean, what if Booker wanted the money for herself? I don't know. That'd be an That'd be great. Yeah. That would make sense. If Booker was just like, this is all I really wanted. I can retire now. I don't mm-hmm. give a fuck about working for some college that no one's ever heard of in the pacific northwest the other thing too is i know that like episode eight is called hook line and booker so it's like i know booker's going anywhere so ava stares at her money some more and this pleases her of course uh then she puts the cash back in her handbag and pulls on her seatbelt. uh just then she's got a new voicemail on her phone it's from caitlin we hear it play and caitlin says on the phone Ava, it's me, and you were wrong. You can trust me. Oh, okay. Uh, look, I've got Mason's phone, and I don't want to bring it to campus, so meet me at the old road. <gasps> ah, yes, the old road. 
the old road. Uh, cut to Ava. Everything. She's driving on a road. Uh, Is it the new road or the old road? I don't know. Caitlin says, okay, I called Dylan. He's on his way. Ava drives on. And then we cut to Dylan, who is standing also by a road. Is this the old road? Uh, it's the new old road. Yeah, Not Kay- the big views of the old road. Caitlin pulls up in her white Toyota Corolla and parks and gets out. And Dylan's like, got the phone. And she's like, yeah. And another car's coming down the old road, presumably, towards him. And Dylan's like, oh, there she is. And Caitlin walks out in the middle of the road and holds her phone up. Not at all concerned that this car is accelerating towards her. Until suddenly, it accelerates even more and angles right for her. And Caitlin goes, Ava? Yeah, sure, that's Ava. Uh, and Dylan goes, Caitlin, thunk. It's uh, basically the same deal from PLL S1E10, but uh, not even bothering with the stunt double. And then we're going to cut to Ava, still driving in her Mini Cooper, uh, which the other car obviously was not. Uh, she's about to turn onto the old road when she almost gets T-boned by another car that goes racing by, and presumably the car that just ran over Caitlin. Maybe goes, Jesus. And she kind of collects herself and drives on, and soon she's frowning, and she sees up ahead that Caitlin's in the road, and Dylan crouching over her, and Caitlin's just like, Caitlin, oh my God, Caitlin. She gets out and rushes over. Dylan's already on the phone with 911. Dylan's just like, yeah, she's breathing. I, and Amy goes, Caitlin, like right in his ear. And Dylan goes, I, I don't know, 45 seconds uh, or a minute. Uh, she got hit by a car. And Amy goes, oh, my God. And then Dylan's just like, can you just can you just send someone? We're on the old road. And Ava's like, help. Yeah. And Dylan on the phone says, please, as soon as possible. And Ava's just screaming, somebody help. What happened? And Dylan's like, she got hit by a car. And Ava's just like, somebody help. It's like, you're really not helping the situation right now. Ava just by shouting in Dylan's ear while he's on the also, phone with the dispatcher. There's no one around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really. You don't need to yell into the night. Yeah. And so Dylan in the phone, he's like, on the old road. We're on the old road. Caitlin? And kind of Ava stands up to just flapping her arms out in the middle of the street. She's just being extra as fuck about all this. She's like tearing her hair out, you know. She's like, please help me. Oh my God, Caitlin. But Caitlin is silent on the pavement and credits. Thank God. I think this would have been more impactful if we hadn't seen essentially the same scene happen in PLL. And we kind of know with an absolute certainty that Caitlin will be fine. Mm-hmm. Like on PLL, it was like a game changer. It was like, that Hannah might have seen A, then she got run over. It's the first time A directly attacked a liar. It's just like, oh shit. And here it's just like, eh, it's probably Mason. And if not, who, whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. Like Mason's the most likely culprit here. He woke up, got in his car, and ran her down because he saw her on the road. Hmm. I don't know. It just seems like, so. are we really supposed to assume that this could potentially be the killer who's just, just messing with them? Well, the problem is we don't have anything. It just seems like such a mess to be like, I mean, are we waiting for like the end of the season to be like, ha ha, here's our new masked villain. We thought it was some fucking loser. Well, they've been doing these kind of like quasi a stuff occasionally, but like very half heartedly, you know? Well, it's like we're, we're just sidestepping the fact that somebody like omnipotently whispered into their ears at the vigil. Yeah. Like that's pretty fucking all powerful. Unless that was just Mason too. Yeah. Bullshit. Um, I just feel like a disjointed ending to a disjointed episode. And I, I again, what is the thing that's missing? Is there something missing in the writing process? Is there something missing that they just like excised in the edit? And it's been like a rough wrap around to hide it. I, I'm very curious about 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's like I feel like I've already seen half of next week's episode where it's like Caitlin's in the hospital. Oh no, who could have done <laughs> and then this? Somehow there's a there's a fashion show in a sewer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and then they actually meet Mona. It's called Lost and Found. Yeah, so that's next episode. Uh, let's see. Speaking of ourselves here, if you'd like to support the podcast, feel free to rate or review us on iTunes. We did get three new reviews. Yay! Uh, thanks to Emily Portsmouth88, Nicole0121, and uh, El Hahar. I can't really pronounce that. I'm not sure if that's an L or an I. Uh, but uh, thanks to the three of you. Nice to hear that new people are still listening and uh, reviewing there and uh, having to quickly turn off the podcast because one of us is yelling the C word uh, while she's listening to the grocery store. So sounds good. Um, other ways to support us, as you know, we've never done advertising or, uh, you know, Patreon or anything like that for the pod. But uh, soon ish, hopefully, hopefully within a month, we'll see. Uh, we are going to be publishing a book, The Teen Murder Mystery. I'd say it's real up the alley of PLL fans. Um, if you go to mynameistrouble.com, you can get more info about that. We put a uh, back cover synopsis up there. Um, kind of status right now, just waiting on some cover art and a final proofread. And then we can really get to town on that and hopefully get that shipped. Hopefully, you I'm, I'm, I'm really hoping that this is shipping by uh, you know, S1E10. And yeah. Uh, Right now, it seems like that's entirely possible. I think so. If not, we will have we will have a date and pre-orders for you before the end of the season. But more than likely, you can have it in your hot little hands while you're watching the finale of the show. For sure. And then you can see, uh, you know, do do we have anything to back up all our bullshit or not? Well, we'll find out. <laughs> it's a book that just yells the c word at you. <laughs> and that's the thing too is is I think you kind of touched on it there, but like. It'll be an ebook. It'll also be a book that you can hold in your hot little hands. Yeah, paperback and ebook. Uh, looking forward to sharing more of it soon. So, my name is trouble.com. If you want to check that out, read the synopsis. Um, I won't go into the synopsis here. You can go read it yourself. Anyway, we'll probably talk about it more, though, as, yeah. as we get closer. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, next week, Lost and Found. We're halfway through the season. The- this is it the Shuri Appleby episode, I think? It is, yeah. Yeah, cool. Should be interesting. All right, well, until then, have a good one. Bye-bye.